Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. My name is Alex Q, and welcome to the sixth episode of Miscast. Does the name Pavlov ring any bells? <laughs> hmm? That's your best yet, to be fair. <laughs> oh, that's not saying very much, to be fair, is it? <laughs> Compared to the rest of them before. Just as well. <laughs> I don't think so, it does ring any bells. <laughs> I, I, I actually think it uh, i actually think it is the best one so far but it's because the rest of them are absolutely useless christmas fracker type puns but anyway this is the sixth episode in our short series where each episode using the expertise of my superstar co-host and special guest we will discuss tabletop topics that we hope will help improve your generalship expertise and enjoyment of your gaming experience it's the podcast that's going to talk nonsense and sense, as you know, if you've listened already. And it's also the podcast that heard of drive through cathedrals this week. It's that kind of podcast. Do what? Dri- drive through cathedrals. Ever heard of these? Never. Wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. See, I hadn't heard of these at all. And I think it's absolutely amazing. Uh, so we're talking to some... Um, I'm going to get the names wrong now. I can't. I don't know the difference between priests or reverends. But they were talking about some cathedrals in um, uh, Spain and Italy where people can drive through and speak to the priest slash reverend and get various things. And I just had images of like a, a McDonald's-style cathedral where you could ask for like, one blessing and one holy water, please. <laughs> you just keep driving through. Yes, yeah, like uh, a very quick... Uh, drive-by confessions. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, sir. How can I help? Oh, I've just got two confessions. Uh, Matt, Matt, in the back, do you want anything? 
Oh, yeah, Dad, yeah, body of Christ, please. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure the advertising is going to be quite the same, but I'd never heard of it. And so I wanted to bring it up to see if anyone had ever, ever heard of it at all. Never, Alex. That's, that's a really random one, man. I think you got us all with that. <laughs> I've got to change it up, you see. Otherwise, we'll just talk about food all the time. Uh, I would be fine right. with that. Uh, uh, anyone else who has heard of drive through cathedrals, do do uh, send a message in to our Twitter feed because I would genuinely would love to know if this was all absolute rubbish or if someone knows about it, especially some of our Italian listeners. Um, would you use one? A drive through cathedral? Yeah. I think I would. I think that's I think it's I think it sounds amazing. It sounds horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds kind of funny that you could just just go through like a beautiful building that's got like a weird uh a weird road through the middle of it and then go through and then come out the other side. Mm. I just think it sounds bizarre but also amazing. It so sounds re- like someone who's like aging and going out of touch is desperate to get people into the church. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, I'd love to know if it's actually a real thing. That's the main thing. I'd love the, to know. The best thing about cathedrals and sort of religious buildings is kind of the ambiance and, you know, the architecture and, like, all the beautiful <laughs> stained glass. And <laughs> the fact that you're, like, driving through looking out the window, it kind of <laughs> sort of kill it for me, really. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not Okay, so we've got two no's and Definitely how no. many... We've got three no's. We've got three no's for the drive-through cathedrals and one yes from me. And uh, let's see what the listeners think about it and if it's true. Let me know if it's true. If it's complete rubbish, then we can... My favourite bit about this drive-through cathedral is that this is Jack's favourite part and he's got nothing to say. I was going to say, it's it's even worse being a part of it. (laughs) (laughs) When are we going to start talking the content? For God's sake. (laughs) We're just going to drive right through it. Well, we've got to have a chat to Steve Curtis because I know he's a big, big fan of. Oh yeah, Steve does love this bit. So shout out to Steve. We know how much you love this, and we hope you've got through your dog walk by the time you fast forward it all. (laughs) Uh, Right, that's enough of drive through cathedrals. So let's let's get everyone introduced. So, firstly, this time, unlike other episodes, we're going to go and meet the sexy socked seductor himself. You can find him at Sock Me Off Daddy on Instagram. <laughs> you can find him at OJ180 on Twitter. It's the, o- it's, the- <laughs> it's the Owen Jackson, everyone. Hi, Owen. Hello. I don't think I can match your energy tonight, Alex. You are you are <laughs> you are hyped like the shit. Um, hello. Like- How are Hi. you? I am fantastic. Um, you doing all right? You've been. Um, Doing more tournaments every weekend, as per usual, is your want? Yes. I have been playing a lot, you know. Um, I, I vowed not to, but, you know, addiction's a bitch, right? So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, playing lots. And I was talking to you earlier, Alex, wasn't I? I was saying I'm looking at my little storage box of models, a, a collection of of little golden boys, little Stormcast, and you, you very kindly lent me the army and... They've stolen my heart, those little buggers, with their three up save and their and a terrible space. movement. Yeah. Hey, the movement's fine. The fulminators, yeah. the fulminators actually need some play, but everything else just does its thing. So no, I've been having a great time recently playing lots of games, playing exclusively with this 
silly list. It's I say it's a meme, but it's not really a meme. A couple of people have come up to me at tournaments and said, Owen, you've got to stop calling this a meme. It's actually quite good. Um, and yeah, proved, proved to be so. I think the latest incarnation is 16 wins and, and a couple of losses. Um, and they were against really good, really good players. Mike Vaginoff. Mm. In, in America beat me with about 200 wounds of bone splitters. And then at the weekend, the, uh, the master, the, I finally found out here's, here's the best news of the week. So Dan Bradshaw, shout out to Dan. Do you know what B knock means? I found out at the weekend what that means. And, big, um, big, big something on campus. Yeah. Well, it, it seems that everyone else knew, but, but not me. So yes, I didn't know. I didn't big, know. big, big, big name on campus so oh. um yes and uh yeah he had a he had a big score on the score sheet as well when he played against me at the weekend but more on that later but um yeah so i found that out yeah so dan um and uh, and mike are the only people to uh to uh bring the pain down on the reign of stars um but yeah having a great time and in general work is good life is good good excellent um, i can't and- complain Speaking of a big name on campus, you won a tournament, Owen. I, I did win a tournament. You're right. I got my first ever singles 5-0. I've gone 5-0 in teams before, but that's a bit different because you can control the matchups. But, um, yeah, I was pretty proud to get that monkey off my back. And mm. Yeah, that's you know. great. That's, re- that's really good. Honestly, Really, I'm really, really happy that you're 5-0 because the, the two guests we've got on, if people don't know, have got more tournament wins and people can shake their stick at so but uh, it's absolutely amazing that you you've got that that win that's great yeah well you know when you talk about warhammer quite a bit and you get invited on podcasts and whatnot then you kind of have to come up with the goods a little bit sometimes otherwise you're just a just people, a pundit i was gonna say people get scared of you the psychology kicks in and they start letting you win that's, that's how it works <laughs> so he's, wrong. he's on it already he's on it ready for the content already he's, i'm I trying i'm trying to try to jimmy it <laughs> right let's get our second host in then so we can get to the get to the good stuff um you've heard his sexy serenades already uh if you haven't heard him on multiple million podcasts uh then where have you been uh, he goes by at Positive Victim on Twitter. It's Darren Watson. Hi, Darren. Hello, lovely. And you also won another another tournament, didn't you, Darren? The the London GT seems to be <laughs> um, my home. <laughs> I am fifteen nil, fifteen nil. The past three times, I'm very. <sighs> Very, very pleased. Sorry. <laughs> that, that, one, that, one, that one drop off and that changeling. I'm not bitter. <laughs> you know, do you know this year? Oh, yes. Yeah, I do. I, I feel terrible about that. Just to be fair. <laughs> oh, no, I meant also the no sixes from the Vermintide spell. That was what. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that was, that was killer, wasn't it? <laughs> or not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I am. Um, do you know, um, I could have. I, there's a chance I could have been fighting you uh, the last game this year as well. Which would have been which would have been a showdown. Apparently, you were you were like the top of the the top of the pops for the the, the three one bracket, and I yeah. was towards the end of the the full nil bracket. So we could have had a we could have had a real showdown. Third, third in a row. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I was favoured in that matchup. Yeah, um, I've, I've played it. Dragons don't like incarnates. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say free power ups like Mario. Yeah, Kart, right? yeah, bing, 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 bing. down the level, up a level, down the level, up a level, down the level. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that would have been the plan. 
that would have been like an epic end to a saga. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three in a row. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect epic yeah, saga yeah. from Darren's end. Yeah. yeah. We, and, um, uh, well, me and Owen have also been to America since we last... Um, and you're going back to America as well, aren't you? I am, yes, because of the London GT. I got an email a couple of days later to say, oh, because you've won the London GT, we're going to send you to America for free to take part in the grand final. <laughs> And we're going to pay for your flights. <laughs> and they didn't announce this beforehand. So all the thirsty people up and down the country didn't know. About it. Otherwise, I'd have won the whole event. If only I, <laughs> I wouldn't have thrown that game. You, you wouldn't have brought your children the second day, would yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have sacrificed my children the second day. Because <laughs> it's not just you, though, is it, Darren? Is, that, is, it, is Phil going as well? No. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, it's Yeah, Phil's, um, Phil's going as well. He got... Um, he got invited due to his wonderful conduct. Um, he was put forward. They asked for someone else from the event. I'm not sure Steve was available to go because he came in second. Um, so I'm not so I'm not sure. But I think Phil's got it. He, did he come third, Phil? And I, I think, think so. Also, yeah. I think he got one of the highest sports sports as well. So like he's right, like seen okay. as like the best overall. So he got invited as well. Um, I'm a little worried. Um, I'm going over there because me and Phil haven't competed in America. Um, it's seeded with ITC points, of which we've got none. <laughs> oh. So I'm the bottom in my group, having to play the top, which is like Gavin Greiger, the the world number one. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then obviously Phil Phil's in this a similar position. Um, but yeah, that should be fine. That should be fine. Yeah, Phil- nice golden ticket that one, isn't it? Here you go. <laughs> yeah. All the really, really good ones straight off. Yeah. Well, it's Gavin that's in trouble though, because he's thinking to himself, oh, "I've done really well all year, and my reward is to play Darren Watson." Whoa. Yes, there we go, Darren. There's the psychology for you, right in there. <laughs> Gavin, if you're listening, you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, so and your USA trip was good last time, was it? It was good. Absolutely amazing. So we got invited to the castle, which is uh, a tournament that's run by the Rage of Sigma crew. Shout out to Joe and Jacob. And it was just the absolute best time. It was absolute. There was a there was a fucking bear aware warning at one point. How fucking cool is that? <laughs> it was so. Cool. I saw a skunk. <laughs> it was amazing. I was a bit. I was a bit. I was a bit lackluster when I arrived because jet lag really, really hit me. And I didn't sort of get any energy till like the third day. And that's when everyone else was powering down. So when everyone else was powering down because they'd had two days of getting smashed, me and Owen, I mean, Owen got smashed the moment we got there, to be fair. (laughs) But me and Owen on the third day had a whale of a time. (laughs) Yeah, I heard it was a bit of a shark tank as well, though, despite being lovely, right? No, no, it was just no. no. The American scene is absolutely beautiful. Like you'd, I, I'd like to be able to say bad things about another culture to make myself feel better, but no, the American scene <laughs> is um, beautiful, wonderful. Um, they were all all so happy to be there. I had probably one of the cleanest games I've ever had against um, uh, Nathan Trentinelli. Um, he. Um, Something happened in that game that I've never experienced before. Now, it's it's quite odd for me to get a rule right, but I did against uh, Nathan. And he's like the USA's top death player, I believe. And mm-hmm. he's been playing Nighthorn like since they came out. And he's, you know, super hot on everything. And I pointed out twice things that weren't quite right. And he, he went to the rule book, looked at it and went, oh, you are right. And then he thanked me. <laughs> 
<laughs> and normally when that happens, the other person gets a bit of a shit on or, you know, pretends that, you know, there's some other reason why they got that rule wrong. You know, it's someone else's fault. I think yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this case, he actually, not only did he thank me, but he was genuine. <laughs> well, well I, I learned a lovely fact this weekend, just um, coming from the tournament, is that dragons can get cover saves. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they've yeah. got less than 10 yeah, Exactly. And I was like, but they're a monster. And I was, playing, I was using them, and I was playing against someone with them, and I was like, surely not. No. And then it was like, yep, they can. It's, it's great though, stuff like that happens. You know, that's really helpful. <laughs> yeah, cover saves and garrisoning in buildings as well. Yeah, anyway. uh, no, I was I was pointing out rules that were in my favour, um, and he was still thanking me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that sounds like a lovely experience. And they were all chanting USA repeatedly, right? That's all they were I doing. You, I tell you what, the room itself was just non-stop. It was a wall of noise the entire time. And like someone like me that can get short-wired, I can't do two things at once, for example. It's another reason my girlfriend's so miserable. Um, <laughs> 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 that is a joke. That is a joke. <laughs> She's not listening anyway. It's fine. <laughs> she, you know, she hates work. She's not listening. Um, I know, not girlfriend, fiancé. I've got to get that right. Um, so, yeah, so I get like, like just then, I just got short wired then. So I found it really super distracting, just this wall of noise. Every so often, someone was going, Woohoo! Timber! And like all sorts of other For noises. Sigma! Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But it's not like, you know, like in the UK, it's like every, I don't know, 45 minutes. And you think, oh, God, behave yourself. And then I shout football and I'm a complete hypocrite. Yeah. Um, in the USA, it was like every three minutes. It was just a wall of noise the entire time. But there well, was that, a... that must be difficult in itself to to deal with. Talking about psychology, which we, 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 I promise we will get to. Um, but <laughs> but it, that, that sounds tricky in itself if you're not it used was, to it. It was tricky for me. It was tricky for me. But every, everyone else seemed to be like like having a whale of a time. And the thing is as well, like I was thinking this, I was reflecting on this on the way back because like, God, that it, I, I felt like I was at a slight disadvantage, but then everyone else is in the same environment, you know, and they, they, they deal with it. So I can't, I can't use it as an excuse as to why I did or didn't do the, the, how yeah, I yeah. wanted to do, right? Um, so I need to take that out of the equation. Um, what I should have tried to do is join in with it and feed off the energy. You know, because yeah. there was plenty of energy, plenty of positive energy that could have been. So I, I'm a little upset with myself that I got a little annoyed with it when I could have been joining in with it and you know being a bit well, more. Well, hold um, that thought, Darren, because we will come to that as that is all part of this yeah, episode. Yeah. Well, that's um, well, yeah, that's why I thought it was relevant. Um, no, then, perfect. Yeah, I think that's a perfect thing. example. Yeah. Good, really nice. I also saw, just very quickly, I also saw one of the most beautiful moments I've ever seen at a tournament was when Jacob Berry arrived. Joe was cooking breakfast or cooking lunch because Jacob was a bit late and he turned around to see his best friend and it was like time stood still. They were so in love with each other. It was was really, it was lovely. It was lovely. It was cool. Yeah, that's, that does the sound. The whole experience looked amazing. So if you haven't seen any of it, all do go onto Twitter and look at the uh, Twitter accounts. I know the uh, party at the All Points guys had lots of pictures, and lots of videos. So yes. do go check them out on Twitter. Um, right, I think we've got the, the last last uh, last amazing, lovely guest to introduce, um, and I'm sure you all heard his his uh, sexy dulcet tones already. Um, he's the international superstar and G- multiple GT winner for you. Um, so don't say we don't have all the experts because we've had some amazing people on so far. Former master. Uh, well, 
a former master. Uh, master, two-time master? Two-time master, yeah. Two-time, two-time. master. Um, so we've got all the experts and me. And so he's won 3,652 tournaments in total, including his first win in 1924, which was before he was born, which is some going. So that's how good he is at Age of Sigmar. Uh, he is the reigning, oh, sorry, <coughs> he is the reigning world champion and captain of Team England. It's at Jack W. Armstrong on Twitter. It's Jack Armstrong, everyone. Hi, Jack. Can you guess what the W stands for? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want, I want politely, politely. <laughs> <clears throat> it stands for warrior, Jack. Doesn't Absolutely. It? <laughs> How's things, Jack? With you, all good? Yeah, very well. Thank you, very well. Always, uh, always fun to tr- chat, Warhammer. You just come back from? Um, weren't you playing on the weekend? Weren't you? I think. Uh, what? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Oh, it was a war in the Heartlands up in um, Leicester. <laughs> a lovely event. Yeah, um, you, you and and you got four one from memory. Yeah, four one. I lost to Dan Bradshaw in the final against the lovely Lumineth. It was a it was a lovely game of who can roll fives. Can he roll fives for mortal wound saves, and can I roll fives to survive the mortal wound saves? And he could. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> uh, so you yes. didn't. You didn't psych him out with your. Uh... You didn't tell him how many GTs you've won versus him and psyched him I, out. I, I tried. That's right. He's also a, a double, no, a single master. But uh, yeah, so I, I couldn't psych him out quite as much. And he's a reigning world champion and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, the, the spiel was less effective. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well, that spiel is the bit I want to get to. Um, so, yeah, so thank you very much for coming on. I'm so, super yeah, excited you, about this. Yeah, like, do you know who I am? Yes, Jack, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I've met you loads of times before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So, if you hadn't guessed already, and with my terrible title, this episode is about uh, gaming psychology, and I just want to say a very quick shout out and thank you to uh, Francesco from Team Italy, who is actually a qualified psychologist, who uh, emailed in to us to say he's very happy to um, provide some psychological input for all our uh, for all our mutterings. So, thank you very much to Francesco from Team Italy. That's very kind of you. Um, and so what we're going to do, we're going to split this kind of episode into kind of three parts. And we're going to talk a bit about psychology, kind of pre-game, pre-event. We'll talk about uh, how, how psychology and how the environment, as Darren mentioned, can affect you kind of during the games. And then we'll go a bit into the dreaded, uh, what everyone talks about in poker and uh, chess and other sport, the, the dreaded tilt. Uh, <laughs> what tilt is, how you avoid it, uh, or if you can't avoid it, how to deal with it. So... That's how this episode is going to go. Um, thank you again to everyone that sent in all your misplays um, and all your kind comments. We really do appreciate it. Um, and watch this space for some merch announcements. So I'll just leave that there for now. Um, but let's get on with it because uh, Steve has definitely finished walking his dogs by now. So uh, let's start with the most important subject to discuss. It's no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it this time. I'm not going to say clocks again, even though I just said it. <laughs> we, we, we really have to get on and talk about clocks, though, because people have started asking about it. I think um, the last one should be all about chess clocks. Well, it's interesting, because even though we came back from Worlds and quite a lot of us who went there were quite against them before we did it, 
we came back going, actually, we really see the benefits of it. I don't know about you, Darren, but I haven't seen it. Or you, I haven't seen it or used it since. <laughs> so it's definitely something we as a team of England need to prep ahead of the next world. But it's definitely not <laughs> remotely become commonplace. And I've never gone to a, like my local club and gone, do you mind if you use a chess club? Because <laughs> I would uh, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be even more unpleasant to play than I am now. You know. <laughs> well, it's voice. International people could be listening to this. Uh, sorry, yes. It's <laughs> double block, Darren, double block. <laughs> <laughs> the, Welsh all the, time. Every, the Welsh team do everything on the clock, by the way. All of our Discord <laughs> you <know>. meetings. <laughs> you know. Girl, girlfriend time. Girl, I believe yeah. that. I believe that. Team lunch. <laughs> Just, you know, it's not life if it's not on the clock. Um, I'm, I'm obviously joking, but um, carry on. <laughs> well, now we've mentioned clocks, actually. That, and at, joking aside, and I'll, I can ask all three of you because you're all there. Um, I'll start with you, Jack, if you don't mind. Um how did you find clocks and how it affected your uh, your concentration on the game and how you uh, interacted with your opponent and everything else? Did did you find it affected you because you weren't so practiced with it, or uh, did did it did it not matter too much for for your kind of play style and how you how you play the game? I'm reasonably methodical in how I play, so actually I didn't find it a big issue. I mean, definitely I, I felt a lack of practice because it wasn't. You know, when you when you're very regular, you do something. It's quite you, you don't really think about it. It's just quite automatic. Whereas this, you know, but also because of how I kind of structured the army to not make any mistakes, I kind of ripped myself a checklist of everything to do every turn to make sure I kind of went through it. You know, which is always quite good if you're doing a big competition. And it just kind of had like those checkpoints of click the clock, click the clock, click the clock, <laughs> um, and just trying to make sure. But also, I would say out of all seven games, you know, including the Ashes, everyone I played was really nice and friendly, and it was kind of a bit of a not quite a joint activity, but we weren't there to catch each other out. It was a case of, look, we need to keep an eye on this. We need to tap each other's clocks. But I'm also relatively fast. So normally we finish with a good kind of half hour left on each player's clock. So it really wasn't a big issue. And I didn't, you know, and in some ways, it, the, the positive, I actually think, just sorry to extrapolate slightly, is sometimes when you, you know, that turn two or turn three, you've won priority, you've lost priority, you know, or you've got a big decision about what to do. You can kind of go, look, I'm just going to take five minutes. It is almost sometimes empowering to take time to do something yeah. where you're not feeling pressure from your opponent to, I'm wasting time. because so you're going, look, I can take 10 minutes to make a really important decision because I know that's my 10 minutes. And I think that's actually almost a strength of the whole clock. Especially mm. if you're ahead on time. Yeah, you've got 40 minutes left and your opponent's got 10 and you've got one turn left. You can, every Every bit in that turn, you know, can be analysed by you, but not your opponent. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's a very that's a very chess uh, tactic. Obviously, chess is lots of on the clock, so uh, the more time you can pressure opponents who've got f- less time than you. So, yeah, interesting. And um, Darren and Owen, I start with you, Darren. How did you find find it psychologically? The clock affect oh, you a lot? No, no I, I think uh, me, Jack, and Owen are going to say some similar themes. So, I'll just tell you about a story, if I may. Of course. Um, I went into like Jack, quite anti anti chess chess clocks in in Warhammer. Um, and then after the first couple of games, it was fine. Um, and then the, the head judge was walking through the event and he'd, um, he walked past me and I, I'd finished my game early. And I went, oh, how are, you, how are you getting on? How's it all going? You know, thanks ever so much for being the head judge, putting this on, etc. And he had this big smile on his face and he had, a, he had a beer and he went, look around. Look at this. All of these games are going to finish on time. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, all right, was it, was it a big problem last year? And his face dropped. He said, last year, like 80% of the judges' time was taken up 
because people's games hadn't finished. <laughs> of that, there was a lot of stress and tension, you know, and this year he was thoroughly enjoying himself. And I looked around the room and it sort of like something in me, I, it clicked. I was like, that is such mm. a good point. Like, it's not just about me and whether or I enjoy using a clock. Like, if it makes the people running the event, like, actually want to be there, <laughs> you know, and it makes it much more smoother and it means that people finish games without that stress, then I'm all for it. Um, and then since since that moment, I've been very, I'm very, very pro chess clocks at competitive events. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think you've commented before about that sort of thing, how it's changed your uh, mind mm. about it, hasn't it? Um, Owen? Yeah, a c- couple of thoughts, really. I would echo uh, Jack's sentiment as regards coming back to Blighty and sort of <laughs> forgetting. I took, I think I took my clock to a couple of tournaments to start with and then I kind of, I don't know, it's because it's not part of the culture. Then I just, yeah, I haven't, I literally haven't used a clock since, um, since, since worlds. Mm. Um, and again, riffing off what Jack said, I would say that again, I'm a very methodical player and, you know, just getting into the rhythm of the, of using the clock is, is just like getting into the rhythm of using a different army. And I think people jump around armies quite happily, you know, going from something that has a very extended hero phase to perhaps, much more in the combat phase or the shooting phase or, or, you know, um, these kind of elements. So I don't think it's something that, uh, yeah, you adapt. We're, we're constantly having to adapt in this game anyway. So, you know, if you want to be successful and, and win your games, then you, you're, as I say, you're constantly having to adapt to them, the changing meta or what's strong or new books. So being able to adapt and, and use a clock, and then through the course of the tournament, I probably had one slightly negative experience with clocks, and it wasn't because of anything other than my opponent was just very versed with the clock and was, I won't call out teams or names or anything, but as the game was grinding to a conclusion, I was playing against a big Soul Blight army, and I had a big Beast army, and there were a lot of interactions, and we were going to go really late. And my opponent was creating combats that I had to roll to, to heat up my time, which was very cute. And it actually, I think it probably netted him a couple of points in. I still won the game, but it netted him a couple of points. Uh, but, um, okay. One of the things that I found with the clocks um, and was just a good bit of advice, uh, which was, um, I think it actually came from Steve on the England team. And he was just like, roll your dice next to the clock. <laughs> He's so logical, Steve, isn't he? Yeah. That's, and it was really Steve. a, a, a Steveism that. Yeah. And, and I kind of yeah, thought, brilliant. and I did that. I think I talked to him or heard on Grapevine after a couple of games, and I did that every game. And it, it again, it just became very rhythmic to roll and tap, roll and tap, and you know, um, I, I think again, you can adapt. And um, the, no, I, can't, the, I can't believe we're giving hints to Wales, helping them out. <laughs> oh, come on! I'm having have words with Steve. It's better than not having again. We're all we're all part of the same island, Jack. Come on now, further <laughs> <laughs> along. <laughs> So, yes, okay. Yeah. Clock's good. Negativity. Great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thank you. That, I think we. I think we uh, did the clock subject justice there. Maybe we'll come back to it. Um, <laughs> right. Pre-game psychology, Jack. Uh, if we'd like to start with you. So uh, we mentioned a bit uh, off air um, about nerves, and nerves kind of pre-game is the big one. Lots and lots of people messaging in about pre-event nerves. The night before, not being able to sleep very much. Everyone knows about the kind of thinking about the games coming up and the nerves leading up to the game. And the reason I want to speak to you, because 
as we mentioned, without trying to blow too much smoke up your ass, um, you have won a lot of tournaments. And uh, looking at, uh, I mentioned off air about Magnus Carlsen, who's the world chess champion, probably one of, if not the greatest chess player ever. And the same question was asked to him about pre-event nerves. And he said he gets nervous, but it doesn't really seem to affect him. And they managed to prove that by measuring his heart rate. And he was the only player out of the 16 at the World Championship where his heart rate didn't go up at all. And so I guess my question to you is, do you feel nervous pre-event? Do you get nerves? And if so, how do you deal with it? Or do you now not get really that nervous anymore because you've kind of been there and done that? So um, so I get hugely nervous. Uh, you know, so, so I always think it's a classic. I always know the first game of a tournament, you know, no matter which tournament it is, and, or like first game of Worlds, I'm almost shaking at the start of the first game. And it's, so I never lose sleep the night before. And I never kind of, you know, it's not like a big deal. But sometimes you feel pressure, especially when you're expected to win. You know, if you're on a big team and people expect you to win the game, you feel that kind of internalised, right, I'm, I'm expected to this game to perform. But then as you get to the table, then it kind of hits you. But then as you go, and start playing then you just go into your into your groove and it always reminds me so I through my work I do quite a lot of public speaking I do a lot of presentations and, and it's like a large part of my job and I remember saying to my dad many years ago because I had the same thing you know massive nerves heart you know, palpitations all the sweating all those lovely things everyone gets I'm kind of saying to him how do you not get this because my dad was also a professor and he did similar and he was did it very well and he said I always do. And he said, you know, I'm in his 70s now. And he said, still, I still get a bit of a buzz before I'm about to do it. And he said, that's what makes you good. And it's saying almost the, the energy, the adrenaline, the almost a bit of a, you know, it's the fight or flight response. The fact that you're getting nervous about this means you care and it means you're going to do a good job. So don't, and as soon as I kind of got that psychological switch, it's so like, so now when I go to a game and I get that and I, I feel it, I always have a little smile to myself going, this is ridiculous. I'm about to play Toy Soldiers for the 10,000th time. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> why, you know, it's almost funny that I'm getting nervous, but I can internalise that and just actually go, oh, I know this is going to go away the second we start rolling dice. But I still, to the point, at the very start of it, I still go, oh, I'm about to, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be nervous here. So it's, you know, so it, it definitely never goes. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you should just almost embrace it embrace lean into the energy that you get from it yeah perfect yeah. and and I you hope, said sorry darren go on i was gonna say i hope for people listening that um haven't experienced the same success as jack has and haven't played ten thousand games <laughs> and haven't quite found their groove i hope it's reassuring to know that fucking jack armstrong gets nervous before a game you know you think you think of some of these players as you know absolute gods amongst men right and that's just not the case. That's what I, I always try to think to myself when I'm playing someone that's a big name. It's just a dude. Or a girl. Or a dude. Or a dude. Like, they're just a person, is my point. Yeah, yeah. They're just another person rolling dice. Exactly. And you, and you said that you, you hit your groove in that first game. And does it, do you think it literally is when you start rolling the dice? When does it tend to. When does it tend to dissipate for you, do you find? It's, 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 so as soon as I stop thinking about the pregame, I get into the game, if that makes sense. So as soon as you like, you get past that kind of, this is what my army does, this is what your army does, let's get into deployment. Then as soon as you start thinking tangibly about, right, where do my models go, then you're into what I'm actually doing. And so I think that's where the difference occurs for me. So that's when it's like, right now, how am I actually going to start playing the game? And then by the time I'm game two, game three, it's absolutely fine. Sometimes the next morning it's slight, but it's normally also on that first Saturday or world, probably first day, maybe even sometimes the second day, but it's, it's that kind of timing. 
And I like the fact you mentioned that you kind of smile to yourself when you feel it, because that's a bit like what Darren was saying. I, I love the thought of that. You, you're feeling the nerves and you recognise that in yourself. And yeah. So and you're kind you, of going with it. Yeah. And you go, no, but, you, but then you think about it, going, I'm getting a bit nervous. Isn't this awesome? I'm playing Warhammer. This is just cool. So, you know, it's kind of, it's, you get a buzz from it all. So I, so you kind of like, this is, you know, this is why I'm here. This is great. Um, and I'm nervous and that's exciting. And that's, you know, it, I'm here because I'm nervous because I care. Um, yeah. You know, and actually, so you then just you, you thrive on it slightly. And don't be wrong, every now and again, you're kind of like, oh, God, this is really depressing. But, um, you know, it's um, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And and has it ever cost you in your no, no. many years? No, it's, you never got no, so nervous that it's affected the kind of first game? No, no, it's never been a material. You know, it's, it's never affected gameplay. It's more just been a silly thing. Not a silly thing. It's been, a you know, something I've noticed before a game where it's not anything actual tangible. Yeah. And final question just about this kind of bit. Um, has it changed for you? So back when you first started and through all the many years you've been playing kind of Warhammer Fantasy and Sigma, have you found it's changed for you? Anything that's changed that's either got better or worse with that kind of nervousness, pre, pre-event um, anticipation? I think maybe just the point is you know, the recognition that it goes, you know, it's with... So that's probably the only bit. It's kind of like now I'm I'm well aware that it, you know it it will it will go as soon as I start playing. So I stop worrying about it. Yeah, that's perfect. That's lovely, Darren. I know you mentioned a bit about the um, about the names. The fact the names also get nervous. How about yourself with with nerves and pre-event anticipation and thinking about how the game's going to start? I think I'm naturally quite an anxious person and i don't if i had my way i wouldn't leave my bedroom um, <laughs> lucky <but> fiance my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'd, maybe i'll be able to do two things at once <laughs> so i i throughout my life i was like a little kid at school i don't think i had pubes till i was like 16 um you know i was very very frightened of life let's say and it left me quite socially anxious but on the tabletop i was a you know i was the king of that you know games workshop i could defeat any any opponent so like when i walk up to a table i feel a little emboldened um but where i am where i am quite socially anxious i've got strategies to sort of deal deal with that you know if you if you've ever met me i'll I'll tell you i'm a hugger and i'll I'll give you a hug. And that's not because I like hugging people. <laughs> it's because I know psychologically, if you've touched someone, they're, they're more likely to be safe. They're more likely to be to um, be calm around you. And I will pick up on that subconsciously. And they'll pick up on that from me. They'll, they'll be a bit more calmer. And I'll be able to be a bit more calmer throughout the game. Um, and I've got you know that you know if, if i always ask people are you a hugger you know if you're not i'll, I'll shake your hand etc but it's the same sort of thing um so i've got strategies from like my time off the table that help me on the table yeah um so yeah so nerves nerves are definitely a massive part of it unlike jack i will lose sleep <laughs> you use a lot of sleep <laughs> i lose a lot of sleep yeah my ins- i mean i've got i've naturally got insomnia anyway but come event time like the leading the days leading up to the event as well certainly nowadays we know more and more bloody information before bloody tournaments we know who we're playing what mission that drives me fucking mad <laughs> yeah i mean i bring it up cuz lots of the messages have been Oh bloody hell! I get so nervous. I can't sleep before. Um, what do I do about it? So it's interesting to hear from you how kind of how you how you uh, deal with that. 
I know that I can go an entire tournament without sleep and still be <laughs> successful. So I try if if I've had a terrible night's sleep and I wake up and you know and I'm I'm feeling awful, like I try to just relax as much as possible. You know, okay, we've been here before. Um, and if you're if you're new to tournament scene and this is a problem that's just starting with you, then take some reassurance that it is possible to have a terrible night's sleep and still go through an entire day and smash face. Like, don't let it don't let it define you. If you're having, you know, if you've, if you've had a bad night or you're dead nervous, just think to yourself, well, this is this is the norm for some people and you can still be really successful uh, from it. And, and, and there are some positives like that come from it as jack mentioned like he recognized that he's nervous you can use that adrenaline like mm-hmm. adrenaline can focus the mind you know that use the adrenaline don't let it don't let it distract you take it and think to yourself right i've got this adrenaline and i need to focus on this game and then concentrate on that little bubble that table and that's what that's what that's what i try to do i had um I had quite a terrible time in 2013 and I ended up in therapy. And mm. um, one of like, one of like the most wonderful parts of that, that I remember this session, she, she, it was like the early days and she was trying to get to know me, uh, my therapist. And she was asking me like, um, what do you do? What are your hobbies? And I mentioned a Warhammer. And at the end of that little segment, she said, when you, when you mentioned Warhammer, your whole persona changed. You like your chest came out, you squared your shoulders, you beamed, you know. And then she took me through this, this little exercise where she was getting me to imagine being in a stressful situation, imagine me at work and then moving to the other side of the room and then imagine me, you know, imagine what it's like to be at the table playing Warhammer. And she said when she did this little thing, she could see me again, stand straighter. And she taught me that you can take this if you're stressed at all in any sort of situation or you're feeling bad you can just take yourself to one side and just imagine a moment where you where you feel completely in control and for me that's at the gaming table and it's really helped like loads and at the gaming table if i'm having a a tough time of it i'll step away and i'll imagine a time when i was at the table and i was really dominating (laughs) I love that. I love how your coping mechanism is lots of people's stress mechanism. It's just, it's interesting, isn't it? Somebody will say, you know, the, the, you know, I'm happy in life and gaming is stressful. You're saying when I'm stressed in life, I'm going to my happy place of gaming. It's, it's, it's lovely. But it just, it's beautiful because it shows how different everyone is. And actually there's no one solution for anyone. It's just about what works for you. Yeah, exactly. 100%. There are many good things about getting older, but the one good thing is you learn yourself better and you learn what works for you. I think but knowing yourself is super important. You have to be, and sometimes you have to be brutal with, you know, I, I try to do a lot of self-analysis um, and I try to like figure people out as well. And I think the more, the more attention you give that, then the better you are at analyzing yourself and you can use that within your games and the better you are, at, you know, when you focus on it, you can sum people up pretty quickly and you can get very good at it, but it, it's not like um, it, it does not rocket science. You just need to give it some attention. I, I think you've both highlighted something that's come up in pretty much every single episode from our guests. Um, so from Simon to Leo to Sam, you've all you, you've all highlighted along the same kind of path around a knowing yourself. So whether that's knowing your play style, knowing what what you would like in your list writing, knowing how you go deploying, but also which I really want to get into how you 
assess and analyze your opponent because I have a little theory about this one, which I want to see if it's true or not. Um, but before we get there, Owen, same thing, I guess, is that you kind of, uh, for you, the nerves, the kind of pre-game, pre-event um, kind of mental space that you have before. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting listening to, to Darren and Jack talk because I think they just, what they've described are, are just inherently, you know, I wouldn't call them problems, but just th- that's what part of being a human is, you know, you get <laughs> nervous about things you care about. Um, again, yeah, I think that you, perhaps the older you get, the the more you're able to control those nerves. So yeah, thinking about it in a, in a pre-game setting, um, I think uh, it's tough. I'm actually coming around to the idea of not wanting to know the matchups till the morning, like, because there's a lot of, with all the information that's out there, I think you can get yourself into a bit of a mental state if you overthink the matchup. And I have a sort of a concept around like you kind of mythologize perfection you look at your opponent's mm-hmm. rules and you think they're going to play like <laughs> the, the world champ who's on three i copies. do this all the time i do this all the time yeah, yeah. And, and like you think they had sex last night they've had three coffees they're going to be like on the best form of their life and it never happens we're human and they're all going to roll sixes and the, ch- and the exactly. charges are all going to go off and everything's going to go right yeah yeah absolutely i was doing it this morning i was trying to think about how, how my beautiful star drake could stand up against four iron blasters and i was like yeah, so that's going to be 16 shots, hits and wounds. I was like, they're not going to all hit and wound. Come on, just be a bit more of a realist. But um, so uh, eight, it's, no, it's going to be eight shots. Sorry, the long range, eight shots. But yeah, so I think getting away from uh, overthinking it all too much um, is, is a big thing. Um, and just turning up and just trying to be a bit level-headed and also think about imposing, you know, being like, shit, I know my army really well. I know the missions well. You know, I can play this game. So going there with 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 an element of of you know bottling the nerves and using them for a positive feeding off the energy in the room because round one especially if that's when the nerves are at their peak you can then look around and maybe feed off that energy that's in there for everybody's unpacking their armies and people are getting out their new stuff and there's this frisson of like it's almost like a bit of electricity in the room especially you know you about heartlands at the weekend you know 100 people in a room everyone doing what they love it's like Ah, oh, this is good. This is what I, I'm here to enjoy myself. So you can kind of, you can calm yourself down that way. And then I think also when you then get to the table, and again that golden five ten minutes of, of um, you know, chatting with your opponent and talking about your army. I think there's this tight rope that you walk between kind of like anxiety. I've written three words down as people were talking. It's kind of like anxiety, respect, and then authority. And you kind of like. You want to, you know, you know that you want to do well, and there's, that's where the anxiety comes in. You know, you respect your opponent because they love what you love, and you're going to have a good time. And then there is an opportunity to impose perhaps a touch of authority there. Um, you know, there are points in time where you do want to flex on people, or, or you know, show uh, as Darren would describe. I think he would say a little bit of peacocking. You know, there's there is an opportunity <laughs> sometimes to puff your chest out and. Like at the weekend, and an example of this, and I, I did feel like a bit of a dick, but it also set me up. My opponent was about to talk to me about his army, and I just said, oh, look, I'm not being a prick about this, but I'm the number one Sylvaneth player in the world at the moment. I know exactly, <laughs> exactly what your army does. <laughs> you were definitely being a dick. In the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, the highest ranked. I didn't say I was the best. <laughs> um, 
So in the whole world. In the whole world, <laughs> yeah. Not just in one set of statistics. Um, hey, but it's something that people look at. So, um, yeah, there's this dance. Now, and I would say the thing that I do just which helps me is I have processes. I have these processes whereby I've talked about it before the element of like writing out, starting the score sheet and laying out all my dice and my tokens and all my things. <laughs> they always go in exactly yeah. the same place. I've always got the same dice. Now, certainly for this Stormcast army, I've got all the dice I'm ever going to need to roll. I've got my dice for my, I've got my slam dice for my casting. I've got a special dice for my CP I've got all these little things and I'm like, oh, cool. It's like, you know, it's like the footballer. They've pulled their socks up. They've got their special little wristband on. They've got a T-shirt on with their daughter's name on it or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, two poos and a special kind of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like cricket players, yeah. You've you got you to go through your ritual. But I like it. The ritual settles you, doesn't it? Because you then go into repetition. Yes, <laughs> precisely. And there's an element of um, it's really good. familiarity then. So, you know... <laughs> there's a reason why people go on university challenge and they have a little blooming soft cuddly toy that they've had since they were five years old. It's because it, you know, it, 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 it you know, grounds them and makes them realize, I don't know, like everything's cool. I've got fluffy with me or whatever. I <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, a fluffer. I've got a fluffer with me. has got its That's one way to relax. Under <laughs> <laughs> um, the table, don't worry, it's all good. You, 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 won't, you won't hear a word from them. <laughs> that that being said, just to round out my initial thoughts, um, I do get very nervous, especially when it's not just for me; it's for the team. So at mm. worlds. Oh. I, I definitely let the nerves get the better of me um, in a in a particular game. I'll, I'll say the game. It was against England. It was against Toby, um, and he did a very good job psychologically of um, you know setting the tone in that this was a red matchup. He loses to Dan all the time. My army's going <laughs> to his army, and I probably made a half an inch mistake on deployment because I probably didn't get myself into that that zone of calm and that, that, that familiarity. I was too, I felt that they were, I was trying to control too many different factors on the tabletop in terms of, I think I misdeployed because I was trying to hug some arcane because I felt getting <laughs> spells off was important. And that threw my deployment out and that inevitably ended up, um, you know, costing me the game. So um, yeah, le- I definitely learned lessons there, but um, you can use those nerves uh, for, for positive force. Um, yeah, those are my thoughts. I have a bit of a ramble, but um, no, no, that's perfect. And do you th- so? Do you think Toby played you mentally? I think a little bit, and I think he's very good at that. He's a very exacting and very concise and and quietly confident. He's not a sort of bullish, puff your chest out and like, oh, I'm going to smash you off the table kind of. Um, let's see, uh, more of a I don't know, a Luke, a Luke Morton as his <laughs> kind of most cocksure. He's he's he didn't have that, but I think that he probably bested me psychologically in, in, in that golden five minutes, as I described them. I think, I think he got me there and we're friends as well. So I think he could, he could see my nerves and he, he probably, you know, was able to pinpoint that and, and use that to his advantage. So I think, yeah, there's this, that's a, a, like almost like elite level. I think if you recognize the nervousness in your opponent, you know, just a, a, a regular GT, you know, you can also use that as an opportunity to calm things down. And, you know, like I know mm. that I'm quite a recognizable player. And, you know, at that point, you'd be like, oh, look, I want to win this game. You want to win this game. But let, we're here to have a good time. So 
just chill out, get yourself all set. I'll talk to you about my army. I don't play with any gotchas. You know, you can give that, you can use it as a, as a calming and a, and, a, and that's where the respect element comes in, I think, in, in, in that sort of, that, that pre-game time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's really nicely leads into the kind of stuff that Darren's <laughs> talked a lot about, actually, about the kind of the strutting, the kind of go up, going to the table and show, show how good you are. And that's, you talked about this a lot, Darren, about the, kind of strutting into the game as the game starts kind of show your authority. Um, it's, it, it, so that the, the effectiveness of that is different for each person. For me personally, like I watch a lot of TED Talks and one that really sung to me was this uh, TED Talk or a TED Talk on body language. And I found it super interesting that not only does your body language affect your your mind state, but your mind state affects, sorry, not only does your mind state affect your body language, so if you're feeling bad, you're crossing your arms, you're lowering your head, but how you hold yourself can affect your your mind, your mind state, because your mind can't tell the difference um, if you're holding yourself in like a super positive way. It's why all those Tories do that really weird, like, stand with their arms at their sides and their legs a little bit apart. You see all those weird, <laughs> awkward, that's like a power stance, right? It's supposed to psychologically or subconsciously make us think they're powerful, but when they do it, they look a bit awkward. Um, so when I'm trying to like strut about, square my shoulders or put my hands on my hips or anything like that, I'm trying to get myself, I'm trying to get those good chemicals flowing in my mind, knowing full well that I'm probably a bit stressed. I don't want stress chemicals in my mind because I want to be able to think clearly. So if you hold yourself and you carry yourself in a positive way, you will. And this is all stuff that you can, I mean, I'm not doing it justice because I'm thick as fuck, but (laughs) you you can watch, you, you can watch, much more intelligent people than me wax lyrical about this and TED talks and the strength of um, body language. But because I'm conscious of it, I know that if I hold a power stance or if I strut about, or if I shout football or, you know, when, when something goes right and the game's going wrong, I know it's going to have a positive effect on my mind. and It's going to keep it clearer. Um, so it's not about, it's not for me. It's not about trying to dominate the, the table or, you know, intimidate my opponent or anything like that. I'm just working on myself. <laughs> and but, but leading with that, do, do you find that because you're in that headspace and you're karma that you can see weakness in your opponent? Do you pick up on, you know, let's say how you're, how you're let's call it peacocking for a better word. Um, yeah. If your opponent um, thinks, oh my God, it's Darren Watson or, He's super confident. I'm in trouble. Do you pick up on it? And if you do, do you kind of try and hone on it? Do you try and push that, or is that Sorry, the reason you, you think about? Um, it's something I think about a lot. Um, I think Leo describes it. Leo, who's been on a previous podcast with us, as the being a master of dark arts. Now, <laughs> yeah, this is I the used, one. This is it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I used to walk up to a table and someone would go like, "Oh shit, it's you," and you could see them visibly wilt and. In the early days of that happening, I used to think, ah, I've got you, you bastard. (laughs) You're in trouble. Rub the old hands. And then nine times out of ten, you'd have a very easy game because they've already beaten themselves. Yeah. Now I'm a bit older and I've spent a good few years now trying to arm people against that because it doesn't feel like a very good victory. You know, I, I enjoyed it for a time. 
but now I don't. And now what? I think to myself, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what is this that you speak of, Darren? <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely coming to Jack in a second, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've, I, you know, genuinely, I've spent a lot of time, well, you, you mentioned before, I, I speak about this a lot, like, with just people, you know, and I, 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 it gets to the point where you, 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 there's nothing you can do. This person's going to have a bad game, you know, and I don't want anyone to feel like that. You know, oh, people would start off the game with, oh, I've got no chance, but I'm going to do my best. Now, fuck that shit. You should be telling me, puff your chest out and telling me you're going to smash me. Like, you know, mm. even, even if you don't believe it, because I tell you what, that's what I've done to people before. And I didn't believe it, but you fake it until you make it. Um, but yeah. And why would you do anything to embolden your opponent? Like if the first thing you say to your opponent is, oh, I recognize you. Oh, you're a really good player. Oh, I've, I'm, I'm going to try and do my best. You're just giving me, you're just emboldening me so much. Mm. Why would you do that? Do that at the end of the game when you can do no damage. You know, say, oh, I was nervous, you know, but don't say. So I think one of the disciplines I try and sometimes fail, especially when I have bad dice, but one of the disciplines that I think super, super important is use your inside voice. <laughs> mm. You don't have to say everything out loud. Is this your first tournament? Don't fucking tell your opponent. Have you never played this game before? Don't fucking tell your opponent. Do you know what I mean? Do you recognise me? Don't fucking tell me. Like this is all information that damages your chances, increases your opponent's chances. Save mm. that shit after the tournament. And even if they don't say all of that, do you pick up on your opponent? Because you, you've talked a lot about look for so for our deployment episode for people who haven't listened you spoke a lot about you do your deployment but then you look at your opponent doing theirs do you find you're assessing your opponent uh, and how nervous they are and etc etc during the game all the time so if you're playing jack armstrong you you wait until he gets out of his chair (laughs) 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 but no on a serious note Again, I'd work really hard on trying to be calm because I know that I'm a naturally nervous person. But the, the main goal is to be, once you're nice and calm, then you can pay more attention to yourself, but also your opponent. You know, going back, you know, you mentioned deployment there. What order are they putting their little characters down on? Because the ones that they think are the most important, they're putting down last. So that's the one if you that's the one that you should kill, even if it's not actually what you think is the best thing to kill, because it's what your opponent thinks that's more important. Yeah. Um, mm. Is your opponent crossing their arms? Were they all jolly and now it's going a bit wrong? Are they starting to be a bit of a shitbag? Brilliant. <laughs> They're tilting. Fucking hammer them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely hammer them at that point. If it's a if it's a competitive game. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That so makes yeah, perfect sense. Hey, pay close, close attention to anything your opponent does pay close attention to me um am i do i suddenly want to go to the toilet i probably don't <laughs> i probably want to go have a five minute walk and calm myself down you know so you know you've got me on the ropes um and i don't mind sharing that because that that is something that that, that i do and mm. that that's an example of the sort of thing that you could be looking out for your opponent yeah, yeah absolutely love it jack <laughs> jack 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 <laughs> Dark arts, He's not Jack. The smiling assassin. <laughs> um, so coming up to the table, obviously you've been a player and a winning player around for a lot. Do you find that um, you know the same sort of stuff that Darren Darren was mentioning? You know, people go, "Oh my God, it's you, Jack!" Or 
or you or they they are instantly nervous and then do you see that do you hone on it do you find that's a useful tactic for you to win games yes yeah <laughs> in short i mean so, <laughs> so as always i mean there, there are two things. I mean, so I'm also very well known for I always take the strongest or most broken army, whichever line you want to draw around it, mm-hmm. if I can to a tournament. Mm-hmm. And I know I sometimes get stick for that. And I always, but my logic is always the last normally two games of a tournament, I'm normally playing someone of similar or equivalent or better skill. Mm-hmm. So it's similar equivalent, let's not say better. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, let's not ruin the illusion. Um, I thought that was too humble for you. Yeah, exactly. I, I, was, I was trying to be and then realised, you know, I'm trying to be genuine. Um, <laughs> and, so, and so the whole point of day one is to get to that point, is to get to that tournament winning position where yeah. you're playing people with equivalently strong armies and equivalently strong lists and players and that's why i always take the strongest army and but sometimes what can happen is you can just play someone who's not particularly good with not maybe the best army and sometimes mm-hmm. they can just get really really lucky and so you know so sometimes you get this what on earth happened in that game to people and they just go, oh my god this just happened and this and this and this and in some ways when someone already psychologically thinks you're going to win that's much less likely to happen so don't get me wrong i so i yes i do sometimes take advantage of that fact that mm-hmm. someone believes they're already going to lose and don't you know i'm not going to sit there and suddenly tell them no you're you're the best player in the world you can beat me i'm I'm not going to try and beat them into submission with you know by the way i i win this a lot you know i'm the top silver player in the world i don't say something like that so crass i I just wear my england t-shirt and bring my trophies behind me you know i'm much more subtle um you know so but but it is just so but i definitely there is a you know to darren's point you can turn up at a table and people go oh you are this person i'm going to lose or you've got this list i'm going to lose and i always just think to myself and this is my general advice to everyone listening never think that you can beat anybody but if Mm. you already think you're losing you're not going to beat anybody um we're all just people and some are better than others but it is a game of dice it is a game of luck you make good decisions and you give yourself the best opportunity to win and the second you think you're not going to win and that can be a top player half way through a game where you know i know we're going to come on to getting tilted it isn't always just a good player versus bad player or not so strong player it can also be two good players where i've had it against russ veal it was a sheffield tournament about 10 years ago and he got caught out by one rule that then spiked the dice slightly against him he hadn't quite realized he lost the model and his head just went and i always chat to him about it afterwards and he was just like you know he just he completely admits it that and so he played the rest of the game really badly and so this is not something that just you know happens to certain people this happen, mm-hmm. can happen to lots of them and as soon as you then think, you know, the dice have gone against me, luck's gone against me, I'm not going to win. You know what? You're going to lose. Yep. Whereas I, I've played in other games where I've got four models left. And I'm like, no, no, I can still win. Not quite sure how, but I work it out. And then you <laughs> you, you play every turn. You know, and I was playing like, the final game against one of the Heartlands against Dan. And internally, I was thinking, I've got no way of winning this. And I, you know, and but actually, I was playing and some people who knew me reasonably well were sitting there going, no, he's, he's just trying to bluff you. He's just, you know, he, he's still going to pull it out of the bag because I'm reasonably well known for sometimes pulling wins out of nothing because until the last model and the last mathematical permutation of losses exact then I always believe well there could be a chance you know you could roll just sixes (laughs) it it can happen so Mm. that's really important to play to try to win Mm. so many people start playing to just lose like well you know you're going to win more games if you try to win them (laughs) 
it, it depends. <laughs> Unless you're playing a team environment, and then sometimes it's about not losing much. So it yeah. it is, you know, it's about the appropriateness of it. But in a singles event, it's always till the last dice. What can I do to win? And, and I've never once given up before that is an impossibility. You know, mm. it's kind of like you know when I've still got a, a chance of winning. That you know, while we're still rolling dice, then I've always still got a chance. And so you, you keep going for it. I think that 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 like that, that. Sorry, Alex. That um that kind of clarity of thought, though, that does come with like confidence and experience. I think like confidence in your list, knowing what your army can do, or the the mm-hmm. scant pieces that you've got left from your army can do. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's the whole kind of I've got out of worse situations than this before. I could still find a way. It's that kind of theory, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, definitely. confidence is based on history. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and actual experience. Happenstance. Yeah. No, but it, you know, you've seen it happen, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can also watch other people. Like, if you ever watch a Chris Myhill game, good grief, he, he is the scrappiest player you'll ever come across. And I've seen many games, he's won many games that he had no business because he just kept going, just mm. kept, he absolutely refuses to lose. <laughs> mm. And brilliant. when you see it in your opponent, Jack, does it, does it affect your play style? So if you see someone kind of wilting or or let's let's for a better word tilting or kind of giving up mentally and you're and you're watching your opponent, do you then go for the jugular on the table? Yeah. Does it make you kind of more proactive play play style wise? Yeah, you, you you play your opponent and you play on that. So if you're playing someone who is belief, then you sometimes be more cagey. Or sometimes if if you see someone's, you know, as you say, on the edge, then actually you just want to hammer it home to make sure you you kill you kill any last hope of shred of hope they've got. It sounds really harsh, but it's a bit like I was thinking it's similar to poker, and I don't particularly play poker or be any good at it. But I think it's the same kind of theory that you know it's about it's a game of luck. But you know the the, the dice you're not taking the dice away; you're taking away luck through playing the player. Um, and I think that's the the key difference between it. Can yeah. I tell you my Jack finishing me off? And I know, <laughs> I know what that sounds like. But yes, please, please tell us about Jack finishing you off. Yeah, <laughs> we've got we've got like quite a nice history. Me and Jack, we, we had go. six games and we're three for three. Um, and he beat me in the first two games we played, which is quite like quite a huge sort of psychological. Um, <laughs> sort, of, sort of wall to get over right but the moment my attitude towards jack changed was when in the second game when he was beating me we had we had armies that actually either one of us could have won there were jack had his vanguard wing and i had croaknado and my croaknado was very good at killing his support pieces which allowed him to move the 30 liberators around the board so i could have potentially taken away all his all his movement the games in the balance I win a priority. I put I put my my slan is on the vortex. It teleports over. It's ready to do its big fucking burst, and I roll a three. <laughs> and I'm thinking, fuck. And then I roll. I, I go, okay. I'm going to arcane bolt. I'm going to try and do some damage. And I get an eleven. And Jack, with this big beaming smile on his face, goes, "Oh, that would have been devastating if you'd rolled that." <laughs> uh, well, and I and like something in me clicked. I was like. This fucker's trying to get in my head. (laughs) It's the first time that I really understood the power of that because I was reasonably um, inexperienced at Age of Sigmar at that point. And I thought, this is, and he's got this big smile on his face. And I was thinking to myself, 
he's really happy about this, but he's using it to charge himself up and he's using it to attack me. And I did. I felt I felt anger, Jack. I was cross <laughs> in that moment. And it definitely helped you win that game. The next time we played, I made sure <laughs> I, because I felt a lot more in control of the situation, because any time you tried that, I was armed for it. I was ready for it. And I had some counters and I felt more of a peer with you. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what I mean? And like, I, I won. I won our third game, but I shouldn't have won our third game because you played much better than me. <laughs> but because I'd beaten you in that game, that that's the moment I realised, fuck, I can beat anyone. Like sometimes, even the best players in the world roll shit. <laughs> mm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's when you that's when you finished me off. That second game, you like you you saw that I was broken, and you really hammered it home. And I, I was, I was in awe of that. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I, and I think it's, it's, it's a lot that lots of kind of professional, as I said, for the start of this episode, talk about the kind of top chess players. They talk about this a lot. They, they say, and it's chess, but they're also looking at their opponent and they see that chink in the armor and they go for it, and that's why mm. they're so successful. Mm. And, and for you, Jack, in in these games. Um, <sighs> Way to put this, I've seen, so you you very kindly put lots of pictures for your tournaments and it's really useful to people to go and see and to see kind of deployments and things. And what I'd say is that sometimes you see stuff, and I, I know I've done this in tournaments before, but the way I put this is some people se- seem to do really stupid shit against you. And I know <laughs> that's not um, a very intellectual way of putting it, but it, it just feels like, and it feels like with lots of top players, Linka from Sweden seems to do this, some of her matches I've seen. Um, does the same thing and people just seem to lose their minds and what I wanted to ask you is is that something you're doing at the start of the game is there is there something that with your body language or or your your or your vocalization to them um or whether it's just the kind of aura that you have that people end up doing really stupid shit against you or is that not something you notice at all um, yeah, it's not something I'm trying to do actively to try and force them to do something stupid. But it's just if their belief at the start of the game is I'm not going to win this game, then they're not going to play anywhere near as well as if they think they could win the game. So I think it really is just you know, th- that's that's where it comes from, I think. Yeah, I think it's a talent. I, I generally do think it's a, it's a talent. <laughs> is why I think it's, it seems to be a lot why people like yourself are so successful. Is that... it's, it's, it's why I'm consistent. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. Because consistency just means you win more games on average, whereas, you know, actually, and I think that's what makes the difference between consistent success versus sometimes just really good players, game one or two, kind of get tripped up and you kind of go, but you're really good. What happened? And they're like, oh, they just did this and this and this. And and generally, I find I'm very consistent in the performances, but that's because normally people who don't think they can beat me, who shouldn't, if if we played eight games out of 10, I probably would beat them seven or eight of them. Sorry, if we played mm. 10 games, you know, I probably, you know, so I probably would consistently, so it's not a, an unfair result necessarily. It just means I don't get some ways a, um, a uh, you know, I don't get that one out of 10 or the two out of 10 generally in tournaments because people psychologically don't think it's going to occur. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then when things happen during the game for you, so if someone's done something or something's not gone right for you during it, you mentioned a bit about going to the last, um, is that was that always the case for you during lots of tournaments, or was there anything that kind of helped you kind of deal with setbacks, or you know you rolled that double one for a charge or whatever? Are there way, are there mechanisms you use to kind of deal with um, deal with adversity basically during games? 
I think it's always believing I can win. So I, so I, I've always got belief that by the end of the game I will win. So if I roll a double one, it just means I'll get and take another turn. If you know, if you roll loads of ones, if you roll loads of fours, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of happens. I always think right at the end of the game, it, you know, somehow I'm going to bring it back, bring it back. And I think that's kind of that self belief is actually what makes the difference. Yeah, mm. and so it almost doesn't matter what you roll um, yes. on the dice. Yeah, You're on, just on one individual dice. Yeah, on one individual dice roll because the next one will, you know, averages will will prevail. Yeah, I I really I really like that point because I think that that comes that comes I think more and more with confidence in the game and confidence in your army. I think if we were to give any listeners like some advice because obviously we're talking about a lot of like real top top level Warhammer here, but I think things that just you know um, all players can do is um, I would say like perhaps you might not be the most experienced player in the world, or you might not have multiple GTs. You might not have won anything. Um, but like knowing all of your shit and knowing being completely off book, knowing all of the combos and the synergies, knowing like what the potential for your army is at any turn um, that can give you like an inner confidence and like a steal, because especially like, I think in this version of the game, it, the margins of victory are, unless you get stomped and obviously people do get stomped, but generally in a good game between two equally matched generals, you know, we're talking about 27, 25, 26, 24, you know, 25, 21, you know, just a little swing, um, you know, with battle tactics and grand strategies, you can consistently stay in the game. So that allows you to not focus on the, the, you know, I've had multiple games now where with this list I'm playing, I've got these four key pieces, these four key units. And some turns I fail three, six inch charges with a reroll and, you know, the slam miscast on the first spell. And I just try and be as, I, I am known to be a little bit salty sometimes, but definitely I've become more and more Zen with those moments. Just like what Jack was saying. I like that mentality of, Fine, I failed all my charges. My stuff's hanging, you know, my my dick's hanging in the wind, as it were. Not to be too <laughs> crass about it, but but it's fine. You're going to come and kill something, and then I'm going to kill the rest of your army. And, you know, you you've you've you, it's a stay of execution rather mm. than a death sentence. It's your stay of execution rather than a death sentence for yourself. So, and I think that that, as I say, taking it back to what I first started with, that confidence in your list, like. You know, this Reign of Stars list, it was a meme, but now I turn up to the table and I think I've got game into a lot of stuff. And it does mean that, like I say, if the slam miscasts, don't give your opponent the satisfaction of having something to feed off. I think whilst we've maybe been focusing on the opportunity to feed off your opponent's little mini tilts or moments of bad luck, I think if you focus more on not giving your if you internalize that and not give your opponent too many things to feed off, that gives you a real strength. And again, another list, you know, going back to like the Nagash OBR list, I was really in the zone with that. I felt like I could do anything. As long as I had Nagash on the table, I could lose everything else. And he could, he could bop around and like Tasmanian devil off the whole army if I wanted, if, if, if things went my way. Um, So I think, yeah, confidence in your army, understanding that there's small margins in the game, that can give you a psychological um, a psychological advantage. And I think as well, like a playing a game is a bit like a, any kind of relationship. And I think um, sometimes <laughs> like some of the best interviewers, like I really like Louis Theroux. Um, he's a brilliant interview, interviewer because he lets his opponent do all the talking and just kind of has these kind of 
nods, which encourage it doesn't necessarily agree with the statements they're saying, but it kind of he nods and allows the person to talk and talk and talk. And sometimes just a nice Zen calm air of confidence sit down cross your legs look at the score sheet <laughs> let them do their stuff don't give them an inch and that can actually be a bit unnerving because they can be like you know like doing nothing uh, is often it can often be the the, the best thing and, and that and also it, it keys into what darren was saying around walking away from the table and having a breather you can kind of do that mentally without actually stepping away you can just un tighten your shoulders, have a nice deep breath yeah. of air, sit down, give yourself a minute. And um, I think that's, I think that's really sound advice. Sometimes stepping away from the table is the absolute best thing you can do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that would just be a few little things that certainly I've learned. And, you know, my confidence at the table is it grows every time <coughs> I, I play, it seems. Um, and, you know, yeah. having, having an arm, again, what you said, Jack, having an army that is going to give you edge, like, I remember Benjamin said to me once a while ago, he, after Brotherhood, I believe the first Brotherhood, and I took the Nagash list, and he was like, look, Owen, stop trying to push shit uphill. Take good armies, and you need <laughs> good players. Because, yeah, yeah if you <laughs> never, know, never a true word is spoken. Um, so, again, yeah, just, you know, take something that you know is good, that, that you enjoy. That's going to give you – and then learn it inside out, and that's, that's going to give you a massive psychological advantage, I think, above and beyond anything that could be characterized as sort of dark arts or anything like that. Just mm, sure. turn up, know your shit, play well, play tight, and look for the opening, and, it will come, and don't get triggered, and it, it will come along. I just want to and, build on two of those points from Jack. Please. Yeah, sorry. Um, so what Owen was saying there about, you know, when dice go, go wrong – if you've gone into the game thinking, oh, I've got no chance or I'm going to lose this, then the first time something goes wrong, you're much more likely to think to yourself, oh, fuck, I knew this was going to happen, you know, and then disengage from the game. Whereas if you went into that game with the positive attitude that Axe, Jack's sort of um, mentioning, you know, you're, you're much more able to just pass that off and, and get on with it and deal with it and think to yourself, okay, this has gone wrong. How do I improve this new situation that's unexpected? You know, that's the, that's the, that's the difference between like playing well and, and, you know, and playing great, I think. And then with, with, with the, with the dice, what Owen was saying there, you know, controlling yourself, when you have this bad, this terrible run of bad luck, you know, and your opponent's going to, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, and you're just, you're protect, you know, you're just acting as if you've got no, no care in the world. Inside your opponent's thinking, why isn't he worried? I would be livid. <laughs> <laughs> they're projecting their own thoughts, you know, and you can really put them off their game because uh, what does that fucker know that I don't? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So like mm. you can, you can even weaponize bad luck. Mm. But, but, and the only other thing I was going to say about it all as well is, is trying to separate the results of a game with how you play. So, I, you know, I've lost two games in the last two tournaments. I lost once at LGT and I lost once at the weekend. And I came away from both of them going, I didn't feel like I made any mistakes all game. And so it just went against me. It was partly the matchup. It was partly the you know, turn rolls. It was partly dice and all these things. It's not blaming them. It was just kind of saying, actually, did I make a mistake? I don't believe I did. Um, did I lose the game? Yep. Yeah. 
that's fine. And not getting, don't carry it through to your next game. So it's, you know, it's one yes. thing of kind of beating yourself up, oh my God, I'm no good anymore. How could I, you know, how could I have lost that game? Actually, I just came away going, I played as well as I could have. I lost. They had a good army. They're a good player. That's fine. Play the next game, I'll win it. You know, and I think it's trying to separate the two. And so not trying to get hung up on a loss of, oh, I thought I was good, but now I'm obviously not because I played a good player and I lost. That's just what happens. You know, if two good players play, they probably win about 50-50. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, unless there's a real matchup difference. So don't get hung up on an individual result. I think it's the key. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Um, Owen, you briefly touched about uh, people kind of getting overexcited with things and kind of taking a step back and um, something's happened. And actually lots of the misplays, spoiler for later, uh, that get sent in. I want to start calling the Disney, I'm too excited, misplays. Um, because lots of people message in saying, I had this game plan, I had this perfect game plan, I was ready, I was feeling confident, I was feeling good, and then something really good happened. So I rolled a double six, or I smashed something off that I didn't think I was going to get rid of, and then they completely lost their train of thought about what the plan was, and actually they end up losing the game, because they've completely lost the plan that was going to win them the game, because something really good's happened. And so... How have you found, I'll start with you, Owen, have, has, A, has that happened to you? And B, if it has, uh, how, you, how do you kind of combat that kind of over-eagerness, that excitement that might happen when something unexpectedly good happens? Um, yeah, there was a game recently, which some people might have seen on, on stream, uh, at Nova that happened to me, um, where I was playing Gavin, who, met, who uh, Darren mentioned earlier, Gavin Grieger, Grieger um, and it was a terrible matchup. Croak, Thunder Lizard, he was sat on Arcane. I had my Sylvaneth. It was an awful matchup. He got the first couple of prios, and then I, I managed to leverage my Seekers. And I, I, basically, I got to turn four priority, and I think I was like, he dropped a battle tactic. I was a couple of points. I was only a couple of points behind, and I got the great, the double in, into four, which I was dreaming of. I had most of my army all in the right place, and I think at that moment, I really should have done what we've been talking about. And I think I've learned from this in the period of time since because the game was recorded and I've watched it back. And yes, there was a bit of bad luck. But I do think that if I'd have been clearer about what I did, because effectively I, 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 charged, I charged an engine of the gods who was sat on multiple saves and um, with probably about 1,200 points of my army, whereas just calming down... It wasn't like a big explosive moment whereby I'd killed something that I wasn't expected to kill or I'd, he, my opponent had lost a big key piece or I had fantastic board position and cleared all the screens or something. It was just like I'd worked really hard to get to this point. And then I think – I remember I said to Gavin, I literally said to him, oh, it's go time, isn't it? Isn't it, Gavin? It's go time. And I, I almost like got too excited and too carried away. And, and I put it all in. I put in most of my army – maybe into a couple of combats that weren't needed. And if if I think at that point I played that turn in the same considered, you know, methodical way that I played the previous three turns, I would have just been able to bank the points, pick off a piece rather than trying to go for this big, you know, prize that was in front of me, um, maybe focused on denying his grand strategy rather than going after, um, you know, this monster that was in front of me. Um, so I don't know necessarily if I could give any one particular piece of advice other than take a breath, like watching players play. And even if you're not on the clock, 
like the difference on, in the quality of the decision that you're going to make between having a 30 second decision break to maybe a three minute break, like that's in the, in the grand scheme of the game, you know, you don't want to take loads of time over every potential decision. Otherwise we'd play six hour games of Warhammer, but yeah. knowing when to pause and really, cause that can be the point at which you win the game. Um, yeah. So calming down uh, the, the natural excitement because it tends to be like, you know, you've, you've strategically worked your way through two hours of the game and you're at this golden moment. And then, then you fuck it up because you, you push too hard. Um, I think continuing that measured approach is, is, is the key to success. So uh, yeah, that, that's what I would say. Yeah. Perfect. And Jack, do you, have you have, have you had that the kind of over eagerness? You thought, Oh, bloody hell, this is going amazingly. And, and can you kind of step back from it now? Do you think you can remain level headed if things are going really well? No, it's interesting. I'm almost like the opposite. And in some ways it's off sometimes a negative. So what happens is you're up and you're like, I don't know, you're, you're 80% up and you're smashing someone and it may even be a skill imbalance and it, or a player imbalance and then you, you, then it's just a bit of a dick and I don't mean that in a bad I don't mean like a, as a player but say it's like and I, I maybe I'll go back to more, more my Lizardman days of old where you know you're kind of you're playing and then you're still fleeing your skinks every 10 seconds you know so mm. you're kind of you're not giving them anything and so sometimes they're like oh come on just let me just let me have one combat and you're like no I'm just going to run away because it's 100% safe and I can't lose a bottle if I do it you know and sometimes they're just like they just want to have a bit of fun they want to have one combat and you, you kind of it's a bit like you put your foot on their throat and but the reason you mm-hmm. do that is because if you don't that's when sometimes it goes against you and you end up losing so it sounds it sounds harsh what you're doing but actually it's because if you don't play like that that's when you end up losing a game so i, I think i'm quite good at just going right until the game is 100 percent won the game is not won and i'm going to play to the best of my ability and once the game is won then you know then it's, we can have fun but actually it's it's kind of just not not changing how you play until you've won but but i think to the, to the flip side of that i've seen it on the you know, other side i always call it they get a lob on and you can see them kind of thinking <laughs> this is what i this is what i should be doing but then oh look they've got a juicy target out there let's go for it and it, all goes, it all goes horribly wrong so um yeah, yeah so yeah. No, you, you, you see it a lot and so it's that kind of well what i describe as ruthlessness do you think you're, you're yeah, quite ruthless yes. with it yeah yeah no i'm ruthless until i've won the game i haven't won the game yeah yeah absolutely um Darren, I have a theory, mm-hmm. and I want you to tell me if it's complete rubbish or not. So I was very lucky. I think all of us were very lucky to be on the Unidentified Wargamer podcast with Sam. Shout out to Australian Sam. Oh, yeah, that was a lovely experience. You both did so well. I really enjoyed your – I do a lot of building, and you helped me get through some tough models. Oh, thank you. you. It's very oh. enjoyable. So shout out to Sam. But on that episode I was on, um, I talked about how lots of the top players, and I include yourself and Jack and, and Owen, you, you can be quite jovial on the table, serious, but jovial. And I had a theory that it seems to break people's brains. And what <laughs> I mean by that is you're all very friendly on the table, but you know you know what you're doing. And it seems to throw people slightly because they're being friendly. They're either having a hug or shaking their hand, but they're about to have a very challenging, serious game. And that kind of disconnect between the friendliness but the seriousness of the game that they're having seems to completely break them and then they can't play anymore. <laughs> is there any weight to this theory at all? Am I talking completely out my ass, Or do you think this is something that does happen, Darren? Um, well, again, that, that, um, 
that manufactured sometimes it's manufactured but and sometimes it's genuine i do bloody love warhammer um but that that um it's like your armor you know you just you get yourself and if you're if you're like the viewer i've played against people that have been they've just seemed unassailable you know they're really really happy so you just yeah i think 80 percent of warhammer happens off the table yeah (laughs) um so i don't think it's as as um as powerful as you're mentioning there like we don't have any bloody superpowers right but i think if you're if you're happy at the table and you're confident then you can't you're going to be less affected by all those things that can happen to someone if they're unconfident and unhappy you know you just you just so it, the results could just simply be we're just playing better because we're able to harness these these mm. useful chemicals that you can make flow through your head <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely Okay, so I'll take that as a half theory, half not. I'll take that as a slight win. Also, Alex, you don't stop being who you are, right? Like and having friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you came in to the scene and, and yeah, you had a very sort of stoic or negative basically if you play if you played forty K. No, I didn't really mean that. <laughs> <laughs> True, but yeah. <laughs> if you if you came in and it was very much like I think Age of Sigmar players and you know especially i only know this scene really well but you know there's there is just as much an element of you know kind of this collegiate atmosphere everyone's a bit more together and you know you're here to have a good time and you know you're there with your mates or your club mates or teammates and i don't know like you can't stop being yourself so if you are a you know a kind of gregarious friendly person then um you know and you want to have a chat and talk about their army and you know you, we're interested in the models we like cool toys like if they've if they've obviously spent hours painting you know their models and stuff then you're going to talk about so, that sort of stuff but then when it's time to be a killer then you can be a killer or you know when you can see your opportunity to win the game but it doesn't mean that through the course of 3 hours you want to leave the tournament making friends not enemies and you know i think people will respect you if you play hard and play fair and stick by rules and you know like yeah i i I think um there isn't any i don't know if you kill them with kindness i think that's what you might be alluding Mm. to there might be Mm. a i don't think that there's i don't think that there's an element of like tactics around that but like if you can win and have a good time brilliant you know when you everybody wins in that case you know Mm -hmm. yeah 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 yeah, Yeah, absolutely I, i agree I just also think, you know, so many people who play, and again, maybe I'm characterising the end of tournaments, top tables, we all play each other really regularly. We're either on teams together, we're on teams apart, but we all socialise together, we go to events together, international events. It's hard not to be friends with people because everyone's generally just really nice. So, you know, we're all here to have fun. We all want to win, but, you know, it's, it's so actually generally it's just really friendly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, well, that will lead us to the the fantastic discussion of tilt so jack if i start with you tilt you very kindly mentioned the story with um russ shout out to russ if you're listening <laughs> uh but yeah if we, if we talk about tilt um again i think i'd want to ask do you have any memories of yourself tilting and if so how did you deal with it and also further to that if not um i know you mentioned the story with russ but seeing it in people and and how you think the good ways of kind of preventing it from happening or if it does how to deal with it 
So I see it all the time in people with dice. So they have a couple of bad rolls and you can just, oh, the head goes, they start blaming it and then they're just really caught up in it and then they're hyper-focused and you can see they've stopped thinking strategically, they've started thinking tactically or, you know, just kind of dice by dice rather than actually what's going on. And so what I've found, and, I, and actually, again, I noticed it myself on the final game at War in the Heartlands is, and it's always good to notice it about yourself or just be, you know, or as always, self-aware. I was noticing my, what I would call bad dice. And when I say bad dice, rolling slightly below average, but I was noticing it because I was losing and hence I was going for bigger plays where I needed better dice. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, where I was, I was looking at it and I was chatting to Dan about it at the time. And I was kind of saying, look, if, if I was going for, you know, 80% chance things, I, when I'm, when I'm winning and you go for, you know, lock ons, then you don't notice the bad dice because you still succeed. Whereas when you're going for 50 fifties or 40 sixties, because you need to get some luck to, to get better. And then you don't roll 50 50 or you don't roll a six, you know, 60s, 40s, then you start noticing it. So it becomes a negative spiral. So I think the really important thing is not to get caught up in what's actually going on and just look at yourself and go actually am I actually being unlucky or am I just am I trying am I reaching and not succeeding which is why I'm now noticing more of these bad dice mm. and kind of a secondary to that if you we're talking about in between games not letting the previous uh, game affect you if you have made a mistake in a game that's led to a loss how how do you find you you manage kind of in that in-between period leading up to the next one. Because I know I've certainly, I've done something really bloody stupid. Um, <laughs> cough, game five on stream. Uh, and that's really hit me for the next one. And it's almost made me lose the next one. Do you have any kind of mechanisms of dealing with that yourself or you, you just don't let it affect you now? I don't let it affect me in between games ever. But I lose a lot of... If I've made a mistake, I mean, I can still tell you I made a mistake, I think it's 11 years ago. Um, <laughs> you know, it was the final game of South Coast GT and I still occasionally lose sleep when I start thinking about it. So, you know, by, by no means am I someone who... But I lose sleep over mistakes I've made, which are stupid. And I just think, why on earth did I do that? Um, but it's not like I'm ever at the table thinking about that. That's just more, you know, when you're lying awake at three o'clock in the night and going, why did yeah. I do that? That was really stupid. And I still, yeah. I still think back. I can very clearly still picture the game. It's bloody annoying. But yeah. um... <laughs> you managed to block it out between. So let's say yes. you've done it game four or something. It it almost never affects you. The game five, you managed to yeah. kind of block that away. No. Every every game is new, but one of the I mean one of the reasons I love Warhammer in general is because of how focused you get in the game. Well, I always find it so interesting. You go into your own little world for three hours, and you've got even when you're on like a team, you kind of forget about your whole team. You forget about your phone, your wife, your partner, your kids, your job, everything, and you just go into this little bubble of you and them, yeah. and you become yes. so focused on it. And that's what I love. And you just it's that complete you know everything else disappears and so i find no matter what's happened in a previous game the second that you know the first dice roll the first thing you just go into that game mode and then it doesn't matter what happened or what could have happened and then you kind of pick it all up again afterwards and that's when you then lose sleep analyzing what's gone wrong or what you could do different but i, I never find it affecting during the time yeah yeah that's really nice darren on that note, tilt well, yeah well on that note if you have had a terrible game one of the worst things you can then go do is relive it with your mates between rounds Mm. one thing i've started to really concentrate on is if i've had a shit game just not going up to tell telling people my woes you know i'm going to try and not listening to other people's woes as well do you have a shit game mate all right brilliant i'm going to go get a drink you can go over there and piss someone else off (laughs) i'm going to go find the people that are smiling because i want those i want to be happy right um so i think you can do you can 
don't take your previous game with you unless it was a positive experience, right? Um, and like I've, so I, I mentioned my patrons, I get some messages, you know, at tournaments now from some of my patrons and they'll be like, oh, I lost this game. And they're, they're WhatsApping me, obviously. And I can see them, they're writing everything out. And I'm like, right, I'll stop you there. We'll go through it in our one-to-one later. But for now, go get yourself a drink, have a cigarette or whatever you need to do to calm down and fucking forget about it. Because telling me about it right now and reliving it is doing you no favors. <laughs> so just do what do what think do what's going to do you a favor. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> yeah, go get yourself some chocolate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that kind of going away from the table again might help, or whatever you do to calm down, just use that to try and forget about the the kind of find tilt. Out, yeah, exactly. Find out what it is for you specifically that helps you calm down. It could be phoning your partner. It could be having a cigarette. It could be like mine, which is going away and just having five minutes to myself. Sometimes mm. if I'm halfway through a game or I've had a bad game, I'll just, like at the LGT, you can walk up. No, no sorry. Uh, the, you know the Hans GT? It's it's in like, um, it's like in a big college, isn't it? Yeah. I've, I've just walked around the top of that place, you know, just walked past like the science area. I'm just having five minutes to myself. And then you can go back into yeah. the, mm. the room, right? Um, but you know that you know that's something that works for me. Don't take your last game with you if it's a bad one. Fuck yeah. Me. And during <laughs> the game for you again, a bit. Thanks to Jack for his story. Um, do you, if something goes really bad, it's that is it? Do you have that similar kind of focus on just trying to win, even if things are going badly, and that stops you tilting? Well, Alex, we you've experienced one of my most severe tilts, haven't you? <laughs> and it's very nice of you not to bring it up. Um, so it depends what I think. So one thing one thing I think it's important to do if you do tilt is to forgive yourself. Like we all have life is bloody hard, you know. Like we all have difficult lives. So there are some things that are going to affect your game that you've got no control over. You could have had no sleep like me, or you could have had a terrible time at work, you know. And as much as you try to switch it off, it's playing in the background. So sometimes your tilting will be a product of your life, right? So first of all, if you are someone that tilts <laughs> you know, examine the reasons why. And if they're not the Warhammer, then do something do something about it, right? Um, yeah. But if you so if you do tilt, forgive yourself like you're, you're a human for a start. And then I've, after tilting against you, Alex, I decided that I was trying too hard and I've taken a little bit of a step back from being sort of a try hard. I was going for England captaincy and it was a blood tithe, wasn't it? Mm. And in our game, you won a priority, which meant and it didn't even mean I was going to lose. It just meant that it was more likely I was going to lose. And mm. I just lost it because. Dan Bradshaw was having an absolute shitter at that tournament. He went zero five, and like as the captain, I was like, "What is going on? This is a five nil player." What you know? So things weren't going as well as I wanted. I wanted to do well at that event because I was going for England, or in my mind at the time, I was going for England captaincy. And that game and that moment just broke me. And then I went and sat. I, I literally had a lie down, didn't I? Mm. At the arena. We both had a little lie down on the uh, on the athletics track. It was very enjoyable. You're you're you were more concerned about me than the game, which I because you're a real treasure, right? But other cutthroat people would have absolutely. I'd have shooed you. 
<laughs> you'd have been right to. You'd have been right to. Like I've got no problem with that. At the time, I'd have had issues. You know, I wouldn't I'm, really. <laughs> well, no, but you'd you'd think to yourself, oh, his head's gone. I'm, yeah, you know, I've won this game. I'll, I'll make him feel better later. Exactly. I'll buy, I'll buy him a drink after I shoot him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Whereas Alex's first instinct, because he is such a love, is was to make me feel okay, and then you calm me down, and then it turned out that I ended up winning that game. And I just <clears> thought to myself, so that's the mistake. That's the mistake you made. <laughs> yeah, that was the psychological that'll, that'll, error. Yeah, that'll learn you. <laughs> yeah, from a competitive from a competitive standpoint, absolutely, that was a mistake. Um, you know, it, you're Alex. You're not responsible at the. You're not responsible for your opponent's enjoyment. You're not responsible for your opponent's attitude. You're not responsible for how your opponent reacts to things that happen within the game. You know, first and foremost, you've paid money to go to that event mm-hmm. to escape the world. You haven't paid to make every other fucker happy. Um, so, like, if you had have finished me off, then Alex, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's justified, and that's that's a fair response to, to a competitive environment. Right? No, absolutely, um, and I think that's why we, that was the nice conversation about that kind of consistency that Jack was talking about, the kind of ruthlessness that actually, you know, as you said, it is a tournament. There are games, and actually, it would be fair to kind of push on those kind of. Uh, those tilting aspects because lots of players in big, you know, big games say we've talked about chess a lot. That's what they do. That's why they're so consistent. That's why they're successful. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I did enjoy our little lie down on the athletics track. So, well, yeah, we had a lovely game as well. Like, <laughs> like, it's like that, that moment could have ruined it, and because of you, it didn't. So, thank you. Oh well, um, thank you. Um, Owen tilt. Yo, um, I think. I've definitely been someone who has had to manage those emotions over the time. I think in certain quarters, I'm both known as the juice and the salt. And, uh, <laughs> and those, uh, yeah, that, that that kind of characterizes sort of me at certain times. But I think I'm getting better now. Really interesting conversation. And through it, I thought I'd have a quick look at what the dictionary definition of tilt is. And it's come up with quite a nice little... Um, kind of way of wrapping it up. So, please, yeah, lovely. So, basically, to tilt is to move or cause to move into a sloping position. So, I was thinking like a tilt, like a seesaw, you know, if it tilts one way, of course, it can tilt the other way. And um, the, the historical meaning of the word tilt is from jousting and it's to thrust at with a lance or other weapon. So, I think if you tilt one way, you can also tilt back. So, I like the idea, and I did it at the weekend where my opponent, he, he, his dander was up and, and, you know, the things were going his way. And, 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 you know, whilst I wouldn't say I was on full tilt, I was definitely leaning. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that you can, I, I've characterized it in my, just writing a note as we chat as, as like piercing the bubble. Like if they're on the up, if you fucking roll a 13 to unbind or you redeploy six inches Celebrate it. and it fucks oh. them over. Yeah, exactly. Celebrate <laughs> it. Not in like an over the top way, but you can, you can tilt back. You can thrust back with your lance. You know, you can, you can, you can, you know, you can change the angle of the seesaw and just, just come back a little bit. Um, so that's definitely something like celebrate. And, and it's a psychological element of like celebrating that, that ball of dice roll. You know, I remember it recently, um where i was playing against techless and for three turns in a row i was bloody spending two cp every time i wanted to do anything good because of total eclipse and then turn four a bloody unbound total eclipse on like a a 13 it was i rolled rolled box cars um and my opponent auto cast it on a 10 
And I was like, bang, I was like, right, you're in trouble now. I'm going to be able to do some stuff with my army. Um, so I think that, you know, that's one way of redressing the balance a little bit, celebrating that, that, that one little thing rather than just looking for the negativity, a bit like what you were touching on, Jack. And you kind of manifest destiny, don't you? You kind of like, yeah. if you're looking for the ones, twos and threes when you're forced to do mortal wounds, you're bloody going to find them every time, even if it's actually a 50-50 split when it all comes. You know, how many times have you done that? And you go, oh, that was shit. And then you actually divvy it all out. And, you know, it was you, perfectly average. It was perfectly average. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. Um, so that, that, that would be like a little microwave of being able to tilt back. Um, mm. But the, the one big tilt that I had, and I remember this vividly, was from Warhammer World 2019 when it was the first incarnation of me playing OBR Nagash when everyone, when OBR first came out and everyone said that he was a waste of points. And I played against Matthew Goldsborough and him and I knew each other really well. And he was playing like peak busted Slanesh. Actually, I don't know if it was peak, but it, they were still bloody good. And only, I, only four keepers someone. Yeah, knows. exactly. <laughs> and, and that was what happened. Essentially, I, I set up the perfect opening and I killed nearly all of his army apart from this stupid little herald of Slanesh. And we were playing on relocation orb. And the combination of the blooming greasy goblin bouncing where he needed to be for, them to he- for him to then be able to chain summon onto it and <laughs> then keep going up on the score, it just... Oh, it threw me, and I could feel. I thought I said to him, "I was like, is it getting hot in here, or is it me?" And he was like, no, <laughs> "The AC isn't working, or we haven't got AC, or something." You know, they never have AC. But he's like, "But no, no, we're, we're fine." And I was thought I was going to have heart palpitations. I literally felt that my face was going like beetroot red. And then what? Then I lost that game by a small margin. And we played late. We played into lunch a tiny bit. I didn't do the reset like we've talked about. And then we went into game three and I was still basically a, a kind of vibrating beetroot. And, <laughs> um, and what did I draw? Slanesh. So I was like, <laughs> screw this. And we played a lengthways mission. And all I did was juice up Nagash to the nines. And I just fucking yeeted him across the board. I was like, you're going to get it. It was the most ridiculous, non-tactical, senseless play I'd ever had. And he was playing the sub-faction from White Dwarf where you got extra double depravity if you remember. <laughs> oh, I remember that one. And, yeah, it didn't go well. My opponent, <laughs> gave me, he, was a, he was an Eastern European or Russian opponent. He gave me a bottle of vodka at the start of the game. And, um, I can see why it didn't go well. <laughs> didn't last, it didn't last very long after the game, I'll tell you that much. Um, but, yeah, that there's so much that I learned from that experience thinking back because it was, it was all the things it was like peak tilt. It was like, I let the, the dice and the, the prios affect me in game two. I let the, um, the kind of, uh, how would you describe them? The kind of slightly obscene <clears throat> rules of the Slanesh in their pomp get to me and moaning about how good it was and how he could chain and then rolling into them, taking it with me, going into the next game, into the same army, and, yeah, just just completely losing my head. Um, and so I think there's a few things. Like, if you do that, you know, recognize it and learn from it and, 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 and don't allow yourself to get yourself worked up like that. But it's an emotional game, isn't it? And keeping hold of those emotions, I think that's been a theme throughout all of these chats. Mm. It's not easy. And knowing yourself and knowing when, like, it's a bit like, I don't know if having an argument with your partner, sometimes you're doing it and words are coming out of your mouth 
and you're like, stop talking, Owen, stop talking, Owen. Oh, God, you just said something else. And you just can't, <laughs> you know, you can't stop yourself. And, you know, making those bad decisions on the table is a, is a similar feeling. You can just, you're like, oh, fuck it, I'll just send in my hero. Cry. He, he might kill that unit. And, you know, you do these stupid things at stupid times. Um, so, yeah, have, being a, as somebody who has been on tilt, um, yeah, I would say, yeah, I would wrap it up and say, you know, if it tilts one way, it can tilt back the other way. So take a breath, calm down, focus on the wins. Um, yeah, that's those are my thoughts on the subject. Lovely. I think that's a really nice roundup of, of the big tilts for lots of people. Um, just before we get to Darren's big section, uh, we'd like to do the kind of important. So one tip and one mistake from all of you that you see. Uh, regarding this so we'll stay with you Owen if you don't mind so your biggest tip and your biggest mistake that you see for people uh biggest tip I would say is certainly with like round one matchups and things like that think enough to respect the opponent but don't overthink just do your thing play the game know your army and you'll be fine um that that will be my top tip just And, um, and, and the mistake you see people doing often um yeah showing showing your mental state through your body language very expressively is uh, you know as as it's been described the downward shoulders sitting down you know like try and try and try and stay up try and try and stay focused on like jack says what you can do with with the pieces you've got left play to your outs that sort of thing that would be fantastic yeah fantastic jack um kind of big tip or a big one big tip you'd give to people and and and, and then again a, a mistake that you see often um in players um so always believe you can win every game would be my tip um so just always believe in yourself uh, believe you're good enough to do it yeah. uh and then the biggest mistake is blaming dice without looking at why things are happening so the worst players look at their end result and say what you know, the reason I lost was because of the dice. Good players look at it and go, why did I lose? Was it my army composition? Was it my moves? Was it my strategy? Dice will always end up about even, and there is very, very rarely a game that is purely decided on dice. So yeah. often it's more, it's something else. And if you just always blame dice, you'll never get better. Yeah, lovely. And I really like that related to what you're talking about when you get bat, when you get like an unlucky roll or whatever, that that, that man spurs you onto, you're thinking, well, how else can I win after this? So I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Darren, big tip and big mistake. When you're in the beginning of the game, there's always like this little, there's this little point in time where you're sort of sizing each other up, you know, and sometimes one person will become dominant within the game and that will allow them to feel a great sense of control. And if you're the one that isn't the dominant one, you'll feel a great sense of not being in control. (laughs) It's little things. Look out for little things. If your opponent keeps telling you what you need to hit, shut them up. This is my army. I know what I need to hit. You know, it's that, that is, there's no need for your opponent to tell you, you need threes to hit constantly, you know, all the time. Um, at the beginning when like i will say like all right i want dice flat on the table you know so that's me like signaling how i want the game to go but i'm getting i'm getting a little bit of control in that time i don't want total control i'm quite i'm inviting you i will always invite my opponent to come in just be engaged in that point in time you know let your opponent know that you get you're there you're paying attention you have an opinion and if it differs 
from what your opponent says, then don't be afraid to offer what you think. And then if you can't come to like, a, a, then you can roll the dice on it, right? Some people don't want to roll flat on the table. Some people just want to roll in dice trays or don't mind if, you know, some people like putting a dice on top of a dice. I mean, I think that's terrible. But <laughs> my point is don't just let people roll over you with their, with their opinion on how the game should be, should be played, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the biggest, like try to pace yourself so like the biggest mistake you can be if you are tilting you know and you can you can start rushing decisions and the game can start getting you know your 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 arms are moving your models before you're thinking about it you know so just try and try and pace yourself no matter what what point you are in the game and do do that early the even if you're you can do it both ways as well if you're getting so excited you can the game can get quicker and quicker quicker and quicker and you just need to pace yourself breathe do the do the <laughs> basics what some things that people do really badly is the basics and like one of them is breathe, <laughs> mm. breathe. It's, important. it's important though it is yeah yeah mm-hmm. so just breathe, breathing sure is definitely as a doctor i can advise that breathing is definitely <laughs> you, you recommend it <laughs> you can breathe in such a way that it keeps you calm right mm-hmm. so like one thing focus on the things that you can control so, like, you can't control the dice. You can't control the fact that you missed three charges in that previous turn. You can't control the fact that you didn't take over that objective, whatever. You can control your breathing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? absolutely. And then, Lovely. And that's going to help you in your, in, in your future turns. Yeah, perfect. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Right, Darren, um, I don't want you waking anyone up. So, if you have to whisper, but uh, take us away for the last section. Burn this place, bitches! <laughs> I said, "Don't wake anyone up." But yeah, okay. <laughs> Ow, my ears are now ringing. Right. So, if you didn't quite catch that from Darren because he was a bit quiet, uh, this is the misplays section. So, again, thank you to everyone sending in lots of misplays. Um, I think people seem to love this section more than anything else. So, um, so thanks again for sending us in. So, uh, I think we'll start with you, Jack. You said you had um, one related to psychology, so it should be perfect. So, yeah, do you want to take us away with the misplays? Yeah, sure. So I've got two. So, um, so what? This is a long time. The first one's a long time ago, but it always sticks with me. So this is um, World Championships ETC, as it used to be called. I was using Lizardman, as I always did, and um, there was this. I was playing a Wood Elf player, and as always, it's, it's a long time ago. Some people may not have played the edition, but broadly, you know, in Lizardman, you keep the slam alive. If the slam dies, your army dies. If you keep the slam alive, you, you kind of, you know, you you can win, and it's a yeah. very, it's a, it's a good skilled army to use. Um, and he had Wood Elves, and there was this trick the Wood Elves could do that I'd completely forgotten about. And it was some kind of teleport out of a wood to this location and then get the charge off. And we deployed and I'd completely forgotten that he could do this. And then I clocked it after we deployed, after he had first turn. What's that? I used to use it. It was my it was a brilliant little trick. You could get like characters in range of spells and shit. Yeah. And, and, and also charge and kill your slam. Yeah. Uh, so, so, um, so I suddenly clocked he could do this. And I, I think I've had it down as a winning matchup. But I suddenly realised, God, if he does this and he kills my slam, he's going to 20 nil me. And so I completely lose. So, I, so I, I clocked it. So that was my massive mistake. So I didn't know what his army quite did. I got probably slightly overconfident in the matchup because I'd beaten it a lot of times. And then I just deployed badly. So that was all my mistake. But then what I did, which was sometimes, you know, I guess the only other bit we haven't really talked that much about, is I'm sometimes well known for talking people in or out of 
certain options on the table. Mm. And so what I did is I then had, I started a conversation with him. And, you know, I told him, of course, I'd seen this ploy that he could do. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, of course, that was, you know, this was deployed intentionally. And actually, but it, and the trick with it, you don't say it's a really bad move. You start off by saying what a good move it is. And then you talk about how the advantage if he does it. But then you say that actually, you know, if this was a singles event, you do it all day long. But you wouldn't do it at a team's event. Because if it goes wrong, then you lose. And you mm. obviously couldn't take that risk and let your team down, could you? And so basically what I did is I started off by acknowledging all the reasons why it was good that I'd spotted all of those. But the reason I deployed like I had is because I knew he couldn't do it because he couldn't let down his team. And uh, I talked about wow. doing it. And uh, wow. he, decided not to, he decided not to make the move. And uh, I breathed a big sigh of relief. And I said to my captain, I've just uh, talked my opponent now. It's really doing me. <laughs> and that, ladies so, uh, and gentlemen, is some dark arts. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's Master probably, the, uh, yeah, that's probably <laughs> the qualification of true dark arts. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. There's the tip. There's the tip for everyone now, Jack. Everyone playing you, they're going to be watching out for that. Oh, are you sure you really want to do this? Well, yeah, I, I played Martin Moran at the weekend and he was like, we started off, he's like, shut up, Jack, I'm not listening to a word you say. I know what you like. Perfect response, isn't it? That is the perfect response. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not going to, if I don't win any more games, I'm blaming this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. That's perfect. Thanks, Jack. Uh, Owen, misplays. Um, I mean, I, I would just uh, want to touch on a game from Heartlands at the weekend. So, um, and it, and it, I don't know if it necessarily it, it relates to prep and maybe a little bit of psychology to a degree, but um, round draw comes up and yeah, I get I get Dan Bradshaw, which is great. I've been saying over breakfast that you know I wanted a, a hard matchup. I had some good round ones recently, so that, let's get started. And saw Dan came up and um, in the in the few minutes I was going to the table, I was like, "Beast of chaos, brilliant! Kill the Shagoth, turn one." stop the summoning engine i'll be fine <laughs> that was misplay number one because i got to the table and he was playing lumineth techless probably <laughs> my worst matchup so i had like have a bit of a mental switch and then you know we rolled off he won the roll off he was deploying first i knew he was going first and um i would probably say my misplay in this game was you know i deployed well i believe i deployed to negate all the options for the sentinels or what i thought but but when you play Fulminators with the movement 10, they've got this 22-inch threat range, which isn't fantastic. So my misplay as an individual bit of poor play was that whilst they were nicely screened, um, I kind of – and I thought that I was hiding them really well behind a big line of sight blocking terrain. But um, as it turned out, with some tricks and some good movement, he was able to bring most of his Sentinels to bear, and I, and I lost all but one Fulminator on turn one. So that was a, a big misplay. But – and overall, more more the reason I wanted to talk about it was because it was more of an overarching misplay in terms of my prep. And I do like to prep. Um, and I just didn't know the Lumineth book well enough. Um, I, I didn't know what Helon could do and all the little bits and bobs. I didn't see a very, very cute teleport play um, come out. Um, I knew the teleport was going to be important and I tried to unbind it. But yeah, my, my overall misplay on that matchup was not getting my hands on the Lumineth book and understanding all the changes. And I kind of, in my mind, felt like I knew that the book maybe, I well, I thought that it had been simplified and maybe toned down a tiny bit, but I no. do believe that it's more of a sidestep rather than uh, a step backwards, um, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, that, that was my misplay of the week was, um, and I like, I love to play from a position of knowledge. I love to know, 
I, so many games I play and my opponent's like, shit, you know my army better than me. And I kind of, that again, psychologically, that's a great advantage, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so not being in that position of strength was my misplay of the weekend. And I've been reading the Lumineth book this week. <laughs> well, you learn from your mistakes, I mean, perfectly. Absolutely. Darren, misplays. I've got one of um, Rory sent it in before. It's a little while ago, but there's a cautionary tale here. Um, <clears throat> so one of it, he was playing, it's not his mistake, it's his mate that did it against him. So he's kind of showing off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a big, uh, scary flying monster, and it wants to do a long charge over a screen of hard boys so that it can destroy the Moor Crusher. Um, but when he goes to roll the charge it's a low charge and he charges into the hard boys and he kills just enough of them that there's now a more crusher sized (laughs) space for it to come and kill his monster Um, (laughs) sometimes it's not always good to do you know he was so fixated on charging that he didn't think of the ramifications of doing a shit charge right so sometimes Mm, it's just better to live so that's quite a good one and then i've got one from uh, the lgt um, in my game, my fourth game, I was playing Daughters of Cain, the first time I've ever used them. And um, there's a way that you can make a unit one turn forward on their allegiance ability. There's two ways, in fact, that my Hag Queen on Cauldron's got. It's got Witch Brew and it's got a Prayer. And one's in the start of the hero phase and one's in the hero phase. And I said to my opponent, I got them the wrong way around. And my opponent, (laughs) being very competitive, said to me, well, you've now ended the start of the hero phase because you've done your prayer, which is done in the hero phase. So you can't choose a battle tactic. You can't do a heroic action. Mm. And this this, blew my mind. I was like, you bloody arsehole. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So there's there's, there's, there's two mistakes here. The first one is obviously sequencing. But the second one, this came up in discussion in various WhatsApp chats. I was like, oh, guys, look, look what, this is a classic Watson. What a tit. Look, look how I've cocked this up. And um, it got back to, so Laurie then brought this up with, with, you know, the powers that be. And I think someone very high up, it might have even been Ben Johnson, pointed out, well, no, you can't, you have to choose a battle tactic. And also it's in the, the, the player's code. So the player code states that if you know something that should happen and you don't tell your opponent, then that's you being an arsehole. It doesn't say it in those words, obviously. Mm. Um, what it alluding to. And I, this this fascinates me. Like That's a massive part of the – it's in the rules. So when we're playing at Worlds and pe- people are playing particularly thirsty and trying to find these gotchas, mm. we can just go to the rulebook and say, well, actually, the rulebook is designed for you to not allow to be – you're not allowed to be an arsehole. You know, on that so, note, Darren, it's page oh. 57. And it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Thanks, Aaron. It's the player's no. code. Remind yeah. your opponent about rules they may have forgotten to use or that they have used incorrectly, especially when doing so is to your opponent's advantage rather than your own. Exactly. Right. So this is this is this is something that I didn't realize was inbuilt into the rules. And there's all sorts of other rules like let you. Let your opponent inspect your dice. Like that's a rule. You have to. And there are there are certain people I've played before that pick up their dice in such a way that you can't you can't see them. <laughs> mm. That really that really upsets me as well. So now in the future, if anyone does throw that at me, I'll be able to show them the rule book where it says, "Well, actual fact, you knew that was 
a mistake, you should have pointed it out to me. So if you're, mm. if you're quite, if you, if you don't mind, well, actually, I don't care if you mind or not. I'm choosing this mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that because I remember you guys mentioned from Worlds that was happening a bit, wasn't it, to some teams that they couldn't choose battle tactics because of sequencing. So, um... now, I think Word specifically, World specifically said that if you forget a battle tactic, then a random one gets chosen yeah. for you, uh, right? Yeah. But that's not actually having having had it from like the powers that be, you know, the 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 the, the people that create the rules, right? They've said, well, no, that's not the truth. You, you have to pick a battle tactic, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I'll awesome. be using that going forward. But cool. yeah, page fifty-seven, Owen, for all listeners. There you go. There's a top tip of the current general's handbook. Yes, brilliant. There you go. <laughs> like be... It's not going to be in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to take it out now. Um, right, my uh, misplay that was sent in. So um, again, this is my favourite theme and becoming my favourite theme. This is my Disney's. I'm too excited misplay uh and this particular one of many is from jacob uh, of rage of sigmar fame uh and he sent one in um where he was at nashcon and at uh, the nashcon uh tournament you got to pick two different lists to take with you so it was a two list format and then you picked which one of your two lists so he had daughters one of which was a marathi bow snakes and one of which was a marathi gotrek and he was paired into KO, which he didn't know too much. So he spoke to his kind of group who said, just be aware they can uh, they can get extra end or they can turn off your ward saves. So be a bit careful with your list choice because one list has got more ward saves in it than the other one. And so he thought, great, perfect. It's a scenario that forces everyone into the middle. So he thought, great, the boat's going to come there. Oh, maybe I can get Gotrek in there, smash up <laughs> some boats. Really excited now because I can table this guy in two turns, right in the middle, lovely boats in the middle. Gotrek goes in perfect. So picks the Gotrek list, which is the first mistake because obviously they can turn off they can t- turn off ward saves. Um, but the second he decided to make even worse. So not only did he then pick the wrong list uh, to go into this matchup, he then decided to run Gotrek out by himself straight into the middle uh, to then be surrounded by all the KO boats, and he was just shot off turn one. Perfect. So. So I like I, I like the, uh, the the I'm too excited plays. It's the I'm so excited I can do this thing amazing and you forget what you were trying to do all along. So thank you very much to uh, to Jake oh, you, for, you, you've, for that. You've one. just re- you've just reminded me there. Sorry, another absolute favourite of mine. Uh, and this was so again, it's old edition, but um, you used to have to deploy screaming bells in units. They couldn't deploy by themselves because they had to be pushed. Mm-hmm. And again, it was a uh, ETC, so you know, top top table uh, theoretically gaming, and someone had two screaming bells. Uh, maybe there were two, maybe it was only one. Maybe it's like the core of the whole army against makes the whole army not run away. But you have to deploy in the unit when it's set up. And this guy, it was thought he was being really clever and deploying everything in long lines on the table edge, far away from the opponent as possible. And then he got he left the screaming bell to last. And he couldn't fit it in a unit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it got automatically destroyed if he wasn't allowed to play it. <laughs> Quite literally a screaming bell. Yeah, yeah. I love that Jack's just reliving someone else's pain, and that's the most painful you've been. <laughs> oh, it gives me such joy. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm too excited. It's a thing. I'm going to coin it. I'm too excited. It's, it's, it's definitely a thing. Misplay. Right. I think that's the, that's the end, guys. So. 
that's that's brilliant. I hope people found that useful and found that interesting to listen to. So all I've got left to say is, uh, Jack, thank you ever so much for coming on the pod. I, I thought that was really useful. And uh, I hope we haven't cost you too many wins now that everyone <laughs> knows that you're going to be talking them out of their good plays. But, um, I know. But yeah, thank you very much for coming on. It was um, very useful. No, it's just going to take an extra turn to win, aren't you, Jack? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and thanks, thanks, Darren. Thanks, Owen. Pleasure as always. Um, do send your questions in to Darren or Owen or on the Miscast Twitter feed, um, and we do try and get round to them, um, and we do read all the messages, so please do. Um, even the piss-taking ones that get sent in. And the piss-taking videos. Well, we, I, we, I'm going to start responding to some of the videos. You know who you are, you crazy yanks. So I will start responding to some of the videos with our own ones, so watch out. Um, but, so thanks again to all the listeners. Uh, be kind, look after each other, and um, we'll catch you all next time. So cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.